Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the spiral crux this episode are... Hey, my name is Paul. And uh, guys, I got a question for you. How is Zint like an absolutely insane Iliophan? Don't know. Because both can spawn a cult of a thousand eyes. Oh. I, I guess. <laughs> I'm Vin. I'm here jumping in on this story phase as a passionate follower and Carrick Acolyte uh, myself. And I'm Will. I'm starting with the demon in the mirror, asking him to change my fate. <laughs> I'm Aaron, and I'll be here when you are ready to roll what the change is. And in this episode, we cover the lore of the Disciples of Siege Battle Tome. Get ready to hear a whole lot of insidious plots, unrealized predictions, and hashtag Paul theories. And then if we have time after all that, we'll talk about those hankering for a change, 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 crin. Okay, they can't all be winners. Um, hey, <laughs> how y'all doing tonight, my fellow Arcanites? Doing, doing thought, pretty well. I thought that doing was going to roll well. tongue a little better. No, I knew it was going to kind of turn out the way it did. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they keep me around. Um, excellent. Well, I'm, I'm going to address the uh, elephant named Vint in the room. I'm sorry, you're not an elephant. You're a beautiful man. Um, He's an elephant. Yeah, elephant. Oh, that's better. Nailed it. <laughs> So, thanks, Will. I'm going to address the elephant in the room and uh, welcome Vint <laughs> to the story phase. Your friend of the show, also uh, a Madison native, or I don't know, native Madison resident, I guess. Um, yes. Hey, Vint. Thanks for joining. Hi, how's it going? It's uh, it's good to be here. I, I have been doing some Dogs of War Cry podcasting as well, so it's nice to to graduate into some story phase. Don't tell them that like we're the graduating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I heard Vin throw his cap into the air. The tassel is <laughs> It's how you made it to the big leagues, my friend. Well, we're glad to have you. And what better uh, time to have you here is the the, uh, the Disciples of Zinch uh battle tome episode we've been looking forward to revisit this one um because eagle eared listeners may know that we covered zinch a long long time ago uh one of the one of the if not the first episodes that i was ever on uh for the mortal realms um back when i didn't know nothing about nothing still don't um but we figured we'd loop back around as each and fit it into the uh, the new newfangled uh format that we've been doing these battle tome episodes on so uh you aren't your ears do not deceive you. Yes, we've done Zinch before, but we will be doing Zinch again. But before we do, I'd be curious to know you guys what you've been up to and what's new, what's shaking. Uh, I feel like it's been a hot second since I've talked to some of you. So, um, Paul, I'm going to ask you what you've been up to in the hobby. Tell us. Um, I have been working on my army for Holy Havoc, um, which is a super big secret. So I can't really talk about it. And I'm working on something else secret. So I'm super fun and engaging to listen to. Are you uh, super fun? Are you a fun guy? Is there mushrooms? Are you talking? Is it? There may be fungi involved. Yes, absolutely. So well, when, I, I've been when there's Paul, it's always fun guys. Yeah. Hey. hey. <laughs> uh, I've been working on some, uh, some Darko Savagers. I'm going to be headed down to Bloomington for a Warcry event. Uh, for FlatCon, uh, just this coming Saturday. And as per standard, uh, I've got some base coats on some of the models, but at least it's Warcry, so I can get it done in time. Um, Sure. sure. I've been really enjoying, uh, in the local league, uh, playing a lot of my uh, Disciples of Zeech in Warcry. 
and writing some fun narratives for that. Uh, I'm overdue to put them into the uh, the group chat, but it is it is coming and it is going to be great. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I did not know that you were doing Zinch when I invited you to, to do this episode. So what a happy coincidence. <laughs> it's, not, it's almost as if Zinch had his hand or hands or claws uh, in this very thing. So very neat. Be tentacled maws. <laughs> All of the above. Every, every appendage he's got. Uh, yeah. Will, how about yourself? Then, what you been up to? Uh, I've been keeping it pretty light. I've only pretty much been working on my Holy Havoc stuff, just like Paul. Just getting things ready for uh, the end of October. Okay. Also a secret? No, I just forgot to say it's going to be my deepkin. I'm just painting up a warlord for them. I wanted okay. to pick something that's already mostly done so I didn't have to do as much. Nice. Add a war man after my own. Brilliant. Yep. That was a smart Brilliant. idea, Will. I, I literally had nothing done. So I'm like having to paint I, everything and get everything done. So, well, I like, I had most of it done and then I started painting and then I went, I can make this less. And so instead of like all of the foot troops, it's just sharks. Ooh. So you jump on the shark? Is that what I'm <laughs> Sharks been jumped. Um, so who is, if I asked you this, but who is your partner? Or is this a partner? This is a partner one, right? Yep. Uh, my partner is going to be uh, Nuno. He hangs out in the Discord all the time and he helps run the narrative organizer, the narrative event organizer network. Yeah. Website. Oh, I didn't know he was going. That'd be fun. That's yeah, cool. That's, that's be super great. cool. Met him, met him at Acon. Right on. Cool dude. So, sure. so what's your story then, Will? Because you don't, I don't think you get to play alongside Nuno without a story. This is true. Uh, so over the summer, we both participated in an event called Animosity, and we were actually on the same team. Ooh. Uh, and we're going to be using our same characters from that event, and they will be officially teaming up in person instead of exclusively online like they had been over the past few months. That's super cool. I'm very excited yeah, to hear cool. how that goes. Very excited. Uh, we're gonna need some. We need to bring back the campaign phase or something so that we can hear some of those stories. Um, no, on the story phase, God no, that's not what the story phase is for. <laughs> Wrong story. <laughs> no, no fan fiction here. That's mean. I don't think it's that way. Um, and as far as my stuff goes, what am I even working? I guess I'm almost done putting the new corn uh underworld's warband together it's core chosen of something something drum rhymes with drum i can't remember exactly it is it's uh, drum but those dudes are cool as heck man such a new uh direction for um corn which is wild i mean it's not new drum I mean, they're still got big axes and hammers and stuff and very like bloody and pokey but uh i think it's got a new design <laughs> element to it and i think they're really fun to put together also because I'm sure the listeners care, I put a new blade on my hobby knife, and this it's it's like through butter, um, and it's going so much quicker. Uh, listeners, here's a PSA: if you haven't changed the blade on your hobby knife in a while, I say go spring for a new one. Go slip one on. Uh, be careful; you may not be used to the, the the give and take a little bit. Don't cut yourself, but uh, really, it's going to make your life better. That's a PSA from this guy right here. Yeah. My heart stopped for a second because I heard I put a new blade on, and I thought you had done a conversion. Yeah, that was my first. And I literally was like, I was like, oh, 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 that face. You're not seeing the massive angry face and thumbs down. Like, oh, wow. Friends? I thought we were were allies. That's why I was so surprised. I held my breath. I was like, what happened to the Aaron? I know. I thought we were brothers in Sigmar. And and you you, you throw that shade in my direction. Reevaluate. You're right. Even in ply. Got to reevaluate how I spend my time. Uh, no, never in a million years. Uh, so actually, just as an aside, so Eric, I don't know, I posted pictures today that Eric had painted up my dreadhold a long time ago. Um, 
I gave him the one that had been like broken in transit and all sorts of like busted pieces and it was falling apart. And so I didn't necessarily care about it. And then he turned it into a work of art, but the, uh, the doors on the dread hold, like the front gate, they had been busted off their hinges. And so then I saw that he had actually attached them with some sort of, I don't know, metal, whatever, some, some other mechanical Mm, supply or something like that. So basically a conversion, I frowned, stared at it for a while and it actually works pretty well and like the doors swing pre- like pretty easily in a good way so i'm like damn and he was right that was that was a good conversion good job bud um, and so that might be the one and only conversion that is in my hobby room currently the one and only that i will allow um wow because way to go Eric. he yeah, did it to paint a massive terrain piece <laughs> That Aaron will not possibly give away. That's the price of entry. And then I gave him back my fortified manor and he's going to touch it up. So really, uh, he's my hobby horse for sure. All right, well, cool. We're going to hop in then to the story phase in just a moment. Hold your horses uh, because I've started to been inserting some plugs here, some Mortal Realms plugs. So listeners are going to have to sit through and listen to it real quick or fast forward a couple of seconds. That's fine too. I won't judge you. Um, but uh, this here is the, the Mortal Realms podcast. We're talking story phase here and you can find more episodes of this podcast and all of our other shows at themortalrealms.com. Uh, you can also email us any of your feedback or other things. It doesn't have to be feedback. It could be fun pictures. Um, it could be be a song that you wrote it could be perhaps a poem i don't know we'll take anything um i just love getting emails uh and you can reach us at mortalrealms at gmail.com with no the i'm not sure if we own the the email address so don't use it there just mortalrealms at gmail.com uh you can find our patreon at patreon.com slash the mortal realms what's that the the is back uh or Vice versa, you can get it at themortalrealms.com slash Patreon. Your pick, your choice. Uh, and you can get early releases of the story phase, which is this show, uh, and access to semi-exclusive content like the Pocket Realms, which are short story phases hosted by yours truly and some guy named Davey, who's fine. Um, <laughs> I kid. He's, I mean, he's, he's the best of all of us, right? Like he's, he he's, the, he's the aspiration that we all try to live up to. And uh, if you cannot or do not want to pitch in monetarily to join that Patreon, that's totally cool. Instead, head on over to your podcast service of choice, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or some other worse service, uh, and give us a review. <laughs> as many stars as you'd like. I'll take whatever stars you can give me and go, or, and or you can go tell a friend about the Moral Realms. Um, that's about it. That's all we want from you, essentially. So, but with that, let's hop into the story phase, which is what the people came here to listen to. Paul, if you would be so kind. The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine realms. We sure do. Try and stop us. You can't. We're going to do it anyways. Um, all hey, right. So, I'll you dubs. I heard you say that I was on notice from the last episode. I don't know if okay. I miffed out or I just thought it was great. For what? What, on, what did <laughs> I say? Because Eric did it, and he did it in character. Oh. And okay. I don't specifically name a character, but he said it was an ogre character. And it was, I, I laughed out loud when he did it. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. that was his, um, that was his Soulbound character that he was playing when we were playing with yeah. Mr. Mephisto on a recording that we cannot seem to get into my hands because it is so large, but we're working on it. We're making progress. Um, it's moving slowly, but surely. Slowly, but surely. No, Eric literally went to go buy a, uh, an external hard drive today so that he can transfer it to the hard drive so he can get it to me so that I can start editing it. Like we literally had oh, the wow. recording running for 12 hours straight or something. Like oh, that. yeah. It's a big old file. Um, yeah. We'll see what would we, we hear on that though. recording? Just uh, just for references. Uh, myself and, well, the two of us, um, Josh and 
One, two, three, four. And then uh, the the GM himself, Mr. Mephisto, um, International Man of Mystery. That's not a tagline. He has all sorts of names that I am forgetting. But uh, he, I mean, I think he's also an International Man of Mystery. Yeah, International Man of Mystery is actually my team name for Holy Havoc. So oh, nice. that is a great oh. name. I didn't even know. Anyways, 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 guys, <laughs> Zinch is distracting us. He's trying to uh, dissuade us from talking about him, to from revealing his secrets. But we will not be, uh, another word for distracted, we will not Swayed. be led astray. Um, and instead, we will we will talk about his very disciples. Um, so here we're talking about the disciples of Zinch Battletone. I got a question for you guys. It's my favorite question. And I think it's everybody else's favorite question, too. I think it's growing on you. Um, we're going to start with... Everyone's best one sentence description of the disciples of Zinch. Oh, you guys forgot I was going to do it. You should never forget because it's always coming. Um, so I want to hear how you could sum up the disciples of Zinch army faction, however you want to classify it, in one sentence. Paul, go. Magic based, eagle eyed, madness inducing demons of chaos. Okay. All right. Sure. I, I don't know if. It, Eagle-eyed. I mean, I guess they're avian, I suppose. Okay, sure. You know what? Now's not the time to dissect it. Um, <laughs> Wilson's Vince is, the, Vince is the guest. You have to go next again to set the tone so that he has much time, much time to yeah. prep. Um, let's see. The multiplying, duplicitous, divisionary. No, the, they know too many things and they know too few. Uh, they come at you on ones and twos and fours. They never end. They never stop. All you know is that you do not know. <laughs> All right, cool. Go ahead, you literally said to send in your poems just a minute ago. You said in a poem, and he wrote a poem on the fly. Yeah. I, I feel offended. <laughs> but also, that was awesome. A bunch of random words. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all the snaps, Will, yeah. all the snaps. Should have had that nine in there. I mean, that's a critique, but like, I mean, somewhere in there. Anyways, but okay, at any rate. Um, nice. It was nine syllables per yeah. line. Like nine, what it was, Will. You can just add it in the word nine. Somewhere <laughs> <in there>. <laughs> splice, <laughs> splice it in. All right, Vince, so you've got, you've got a sense of what we're looking for here. Try and give me your best one-sentence summary of the Disciples of Zinch. Well, I, uh, let's see here. They never stopped to ask of if they should. They only thought of if they could. And they dialed that up to nine and broke the knob off. So nobody else could do it before or after them. Right on. All right. Our, this one goes up right. to nine. Um, <laughs> yep. Very cool. <laughs> I like it. Trying to think. I think that's about it. They took they took the eight-fold eight fold path, dialed it up to nine, broke the knob off. See? <laughs> Simple as that. There we go. Left it goes to um, nine. All right. So that's Zinch, that's Zinch in a nutshell. Normally, this is where I make the joke where I say, all right, let's wrap it up. We don't need to do anymore. But that joke is old, and I will not do it anymore until I forget next episode, and then I'll pull it back out. Until then, and then it'll be retro. Um, all right, so, so you're changing things up? You got it. Always Ooh. do. <laughs> and I'm guessing. Um, all right, so we're talking about the disciples of Zinch. Uh, let's start at the beginning, uh, Age of Myth, early days. Um I don't know that we ever talked about something like this in the initial Disciples of Zinch episode, but even if we did, maybe we've learned a thing or two since then. Um, but I'd curious to know what you guys' thoughts on where or how or where did Zinch come from into the mortal realms? We, we can't obviously deal with his origin. He's a chaos god. They don't really have those things. Um, but as it relates to the mortal realms, how were we first introduced to Zinch? Who's got some thoughts on the matter? I want to tie it back to your opening statement. Um, he was the man in the mirror watching everything go down. And uh, basically, his key to access the glory that is the mortal realms is civilization. And civilization, in particular, 
uh, with those who are like, other people are better than me, but I'm better than them. So we need to change things around to make sure that I can be better than them. This is confusing as inches. I don't understand a word you're trying I see to know. No, I got it. <laughs> It's my life motto, so I'm I'm right there with you. <laughs> uh, I, I think when it comes to to Zeech in the Age of Myth, the big thing is is he was like, you know what? I've got all the time in the world, and I'd rather do this right one time than have to continue to break and fix and break and fix. And I think that's what sets him apart from some of his other Chaos brothers and sisters, um, and some of the other gods in general. Right? Hey, here's Caimanite. See what you got you dwarves can do with it. Boy, I can't wait to see what it is. And man, it'd be a shame if it turned into this wildly disparaging thing between your class system. So I could definitely not in any way, shape, or form anarchistically break your whole group. Uh, and he, he just it, you in reading where he comes in in the Age of Myth, it's it's in whispers and secrets. Everything you needed to know without telling you anything you should know, right? Here, you can do anything you want, man. I got your back. Here's all the stuff you need to do it. Yeah, it might cost you the souls of everybody you know, but the job gets done, man. Small price to pay. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, and like one of the things that really sets it apart is technically two stories where the first story is as someone is creating the first written language, he's just adding a few words that people shouldn't know. So that way, in a later story, those books come back and doom civilization. Clever. Clever girl. Yeah. Wouldn't have thought of that one. Um, but I, I like that that sort of in, is indicative of the idea that, like, he needed civilization to get a kickstart before, like, he could get his foothold in, which, I mean, to some degree, was over. it's kind of what the other chaos gods need and that they build off of, like, the mortals, whether it's emotion or like the things that they do. And so like, this is similar in that vein, but like, it's so much more like focused on civilization specifically. Like he needed the written word before he could break in as opposed to just like anger or I don't know, the cycles of nature or something like that. Like yeah. it seemed to be like a step beyond that. And he, and I think Vint was saying that like, he was willing to bide his time a little bit. He's willing to wait. Like what's the rush? Um, which I thought was very cool. Uh, we're talking about the age of myth and like, you know, essentially how Zinch is getting his foothold in the mortal realms as, as they exist. Um, did you guys have any stories from the battle tome that was from this time frame that you really enjoyed that you thought were um, emblematic of uh, Zinch's time in the, the Age of Myth? I mean, having touched a little bit on the, the Caimanite story, like, oh, look at this random metallurgical thing that you can use to make magic metal science stuff. Uh, and look at how great it is. Let me introduce it to you. It's definitely in no way, shape, or form going to be bad in the long run. Do your thing with it, uh, right? And it, it actually comes across, even in reading it in the Codex, it, it seems very, very much like a helpful thing, right? Zeech extends his hands and says, let me help you out. There's definitely nothing bad that could happen to you. And then there's a billion pages of fine print that are in a language you can't read, right? And that's that's the Caimanite story. I thought that was really cool. Um, I also think the Astrasia silent story is pretty slick too, with the idea that that somebody just ascends into Lord of Changehood or Zeech takes them um, and it leaves the mystery. And I think that's one of the cool things with it. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look through any of his stories throughout the, the battle tome, you end up seeing this like air of mystery at the end. Like what did happen? We might never know. Yeah, like it sets up down the road where 
18 different people could come back and claim they were that king, like 18 different demons, and they could all be lying or having some kind of like plot they're trying to play on you because it's so up open-ended. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and it's it's not out of the wheelhouses each to be like, yeah, demon, so I just made you, and that's really cool and stuff. You're this guy, and he, the demon's like, but I'm not. I remember everything. You don't. You're this guy. Well, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sounds good. I really like the uh, Secrets of the Dark Tongue story because it, it seemed really emblematic of how Zinch acts within the realms because he basically just made sure that the books that were written with those words that Will was talking about that shouldn't have been in the language fell into the right place, which tended to be this uh, place called the Nazroen Catacombs, a cabal of sorcerers, of scholars. Um, And they basically just like sat and read the books. And as they sat and read the books, they got crazier and crazier and crazier. And then they were just like, okay, I got it now. So they like they had this like dread apotheosis where they're like, okay, we can all go and spread this madness to everyone else. So they just all left. Nothing happened. Like there's no battle. It's literally just like, all right, now I have this core of people that are gonna go and spread terror and chaos throughout the, the realms. And perfect. This is exactly how I want <laughs> this to work. That's it. I love how it's so, uh, to my mind, similar to something that like Nurgle would do, right? Like infecting some group of people and then sending out, sending them out into the realms and then like infecting the rest of the realms to some degree. But this isn't a disease per se, uh, but rather they're infected with this madness or this arcane knowledge or like, you know, this, this brain warping um, mentality that that's the infection that they go like i love how they each yeah. took different they each took different um realm gates out into parts unknown just so they could spread the the it's not even a gospel it's not even like an intentional thing per se like they're yeah. just going to spread the madness around uh which was yeah. which was downright terrible i i think it's really neat because that story specifically it echoes again later on in the lore with the mind stealer spheranxes right mm-hmm. they were a bunch of wizards that just fell to that same kind of, of, of madness and were turned accordingly into giant spheranxes. Um, now I guess there are worse fates, but it does seem very Zichi in that, hey, this worked once, let's try it again. Wouldn't it be funny if they fell for it twice? <laughs> you just got a weird sense of humor and I'm here for it. I'm also talking about reading, <laughs> reading books and then being infected with madness. What is that if not the Moral Realms podcast? Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're never the same like it or not and we just seem to keep adding people to the to the madness to we're the, always the madness. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry man you're you got you got hooked <laughs> it was all in been hooked. from day one you never knew it i'll be growing new appendages soon i'm i'm hopes i'm hopeful <laughs> yeah the story i want to talk about is called seeds of sedition yeah uh, and it really encapsulates a lot of things about siege but in a way i didn't really expect it to which is first, it follows up with what Vint was saying about the Camanite. You know, Zinch gave this to folks to see what kind of civilizations they bring up. But then it's got the rich and the poor, and the poor are praying just for change. Societal change, economic change, any sort of change. And Zinch uses that and answers their prayers for them. So he built a society just to undo that plan and bring in demons to tear down the society. You always hear the memes of like Zinch kind of going against himself. And this is an example of how he does that, but it kind of works. Like he creates these structures that he then dismantles to spread the faith. 
Yeah, right. And so this is yet another example. I feel like I'm always talking about like I love to hear how realms fall. Like it, it seems like we spent. I feel like we've been spending more time lately in the lore. Maybe just I wasn't reading it before, or I was oblivious, which is all very true. Um, and that. So this is here's an example of how uh, Chaman uh, fell. And I don't. If this was wow. in a previous battle time, I was unaware of it. But the idea of of this inequity, this the haves and the have-nots, and then calling out to Zichu, I always often wonder like what what would cause someone to sort of fall to the cast gods or like call to them if they didn't know who they were like how, how do you fall into that and so there's a million ways but this is just yet another example of um them getting creative with the uh the ways that folks can succumb to cast without knowing that they're succumbing to cast or putting in a call out to the ether not knowing who's going to answer um and whoops sometimes it's a madness inducing god then's the breaks um oopies well played with the aether. We put you put it out into the aether, and then maybe there'll be a war later uh, with a yeah. bunch of Karadran. So very cool. So that essentially is the hallmark then of the transition from the Age of Myth to the Age of Chaos. Is any other Age of Myth stuff that you guys wanted to bring up before we uh, turn the clock forward? Is that what a clock sounds like? I don't. know. That's not. Is that a clock sound? It's a weird clock, but that's but yeah, sure. I mean, I'm sure the moral realms are full. Weird <laughs> a clock. Um, all right, Age of Chaos. Zinch is here. Uh, he's having a field day. Um, I like that they're still sort of not hung up on, but um, they're sticking to the idea that Zinch really had his heart set on Chaman, right? Like he's in all sorts of other places, and everybody sort of knows that Chaos doesn't necessarily have boundaries or borders depending on what the realms are but he had a favorite and it was the realm of metal um and so we spent a lot of time focusing i think on zinch in the age of chaos on the realm of metal which is true to what we've known before uh, what is what's zinch up to uh in the age of chaos besides just killing folks um like what, what what's his uh, how, how does he spend the time uh, in the age of chaos you guys have any thoughts on that I think one of the coolest things I, I like following the God Beast. I have uh, I've done a lot of story writing and and just different stuff for different parts of following God Beasts. And the Load Griffin is just super cool. Like Load Griffin just descends and hits the Spiral Crux before it was the Spiral Crux and breaks the whole thing. And I think that's just super neat. Um, you know, this giant God Beast descends and that's so cool because there's nothing really comparable, right? When we talk fantasy or something that helps us get out of our normal day-to-day -day routine where we don't see giant monsters and we see some Zangors because Will is around, but otherwise we don't see a lot of other weird things like maybe Gloom Spite here and there, right. spiders that are sent to assault me during the podcast. Those kind of things happen, but I don't see any giant god beasts uh, descending down and destroying any kind of like the Madison Capitol hasn't been assailed by a giant set of jaws that have eaten half of State Street and where I work competitively you know like there's not there's not some crazy giant monster and I really think that lately the the focus on the god beast has just been so cool uh, right they just keep growing and they get names and they they really add that flavor and that feel uh, to these cataclysmic events that happen and like how do you fix it right? And so I really think that the Load Griffin being introduced here is just so cool. I don't know that we've talked about the Load Griffin story, the Spiral Crux. Have we talked about it on the story phase yet? I feel like we, we dance around it a little bit. I feel like it comes up sometimes. But does anybody want to quick catch, pe catch people up if they don't know what the Load Griffin has to do with anything? Um, by all means, now would be a great time to bring it up if anybody wants to run through it quick. Yeah, so the Load Griffin is this giant griffin. Um, 
made, I would assume, of lodestone uh, with the name. And he flies straight down, uh, seeing all this caimanite, that's this magic items and things, much like smog or any other major dragon you've read. Uh, but he's a griffin, and he smashes into all these Caymanite islands that are on the ground, and he hits them so hard that they they shatter into the spiral crux, and it sends islands up into the air, and it's, it d- destroys um, a big part of that civilization and pushes so many of these Duradin that are working so hard to craft all of Cayman into this, or Shimon, sorry, into this, this giant clockwork mechanism that works perfectly every time. And nothing screams changer of ways like, I threw a griffin at it and broke the whole thing. And I just, the the imagery of all these Duradin looking up and their beards just like slowly going up in the air from the amount of load in the air and, and levitation magic and all this other stuff as they get disintegrated is pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. neat. Um, but that is the story of the load griffin. So he smashes in. Um, and before you get into... Uh, towards the end of the age of chaos his his fate doesn't work out so well for him um as he gets melted uh zeech convinces a bunch of duradin to melt him into gold to transform like use transformation magic to transform him into gold and as he screams his death screams rip open the realm as he dies and opens up all of this giant split in reality and all the scintillating, scintillating legions jump through and rip up what's what the spiral crux is today and make it the, the advanced horror escape it really becomes. So it's kind of like a twofold way because we had talked about like folks praying to Zinch to, hey, look, you know, solve this inequity and whatever. And that's one like foothold that he had in the region. But like it, I think this was a big catalyzing cataclysm and catalyzing event this death load griffin death scream which also opened up a pretty wide portal and and was also a kickoff moment for i think the age of chaos too right well and i think it it shows some of zeech's mo and there's not a lot of those you can see throughout his his advancement through the ages but if one is good two is better right um I want my I want my demons in, right? Nine is perfect. We're going to destabilize the area. We're going to attack it from inside. We're going to turn it on itself and turn it on its head. We're going to get other things to advance without stealing too many of the other stories that happened in this time. But then at the end of it, the end of it, I win. And it's going to be a giant hole in reality. And all my demons are going to pour out and kill all of these, these hopeless individuals. And they're all going to be asking me to stop. And I will say, sure, if you want to be a Zangor. <laughs> too true. Did you? Uh, did the rest of your crew have any other Age of Chaos stories you want to bring up too? Because I feel like now's the time. Yeah, I did. Um, like first, what I found interesting about this section is that it's not that big. He's one of the Chaos gods, and his section for the Age of Chaos is not as large as the others. Uh, and the reason that really stood out to me is because, like we kind of talked, he sort of relies on civilization to do things like to corrupt it. So the story I wanted to talk about is him kind of taking advantage of it. It's the nightmare arcanum. Uh, Essentially as all of the elves of Hish are just sort of killing each other in the spire fall, sort of causing their own devastation instead of like enacting massive plans or doing all these things, he's just going to take advantage of the situation and all of his hordes just run in to all of these elven sanctuaries and just steal as many things as they can. Like he's not one to enact this grand plan right now. This is the scene of 
acting wild, doing crazy things, stealing knowledge, and then getting out of there. Which is fun because it kind of leads into a little bit of the arcane cataclysm like box that we were talking about, and it's actually in this book too. So we'll probably bring it up later. But the uh, the the um, the relationship between Zinch and his followers and the quest for like forbidden knowledge and then also like tapping into the knowledge that the Lumineth have, have gained, right? So like you think, oh, Zinch probably knows everything or pretty close to it, but like there's still knowledge out there that his forces don't have and that it's worth them getting. And so this is a fun capering adventure where they like have to sneak in and grab that um yeah. that stuff. So there's always there's always more knowledge to be gained. There's no such as no such thing as all knowing in the uh in the moral realms, which is neat. Or even if he knows everything, he's not telling his followers everything. So they need to go find it. Yeah. Very withholding. You got to earn it for this, yeah. this guy. Okay. I think what we should probably talk about, just because it's part of the larger story, or at least it taps into the Realm Gate Wars, is that um, during the Age of Chaos, uh, the sorcerer Efrix um, finds or learns of the whereabouts of Sigmar's legendary hammer, Galmaraz, which I'm sure this has been talked about at some point in the Mortal Realms, probably one of the earlier episodes when they were talking about the Realm Gate Wars and some of those campaign stories. But it's worth bringing up again that Age of Chaos, they found Galmaraz because Sigmar threw it at some illusion or something and he lost his hammer. He was pretty upset. He went to sulk for a bit um, at some point in this age of chaos, uh, Zinch's followers found that hammer. They aren't able to use it explicitly. They can't pick it up. They can't, they, you know, throw it at stuff themselves. It's very, very Thor's hammer-esque in that regard. But they can absorb energy off it or use it to power their different, like, spells and all sorts of weird-ass stuff that they do. Um, and so it's at this point where it's been found, it's been captured, Zinch has got it, and this guy is um, tapping into its power, um, which is then going to lead to, you know, storylines later on when, when the ages shift which they're about to do. Any other Age of Chaos stuff that you guys want to talk about? Because what comes next, it's everyone's favorite age. And by that, I mean it's Sigmar's favorite age. The Age of Sigmar. Who would have thought? Um, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolts. Uh, the Stormcast Eternals uh, strike the moral realms. Uh, Shaman is no exception. Um, what uh, For these early days of, of the Age of Sigmar, how does Zinch fare? How does he spend his time? What's what's it look like uh, for Zinch? Do you guys have any thoughts about that? There's a, a fun little story um, that just talks about how there is a false architect that helps in the construction of almost of, of, of a bunch of free cities because he just like basically messes up the plans. So they're not as good as they think they are. But again, it's it's the long game of like, yeah, eventually something cool will happen here for Zinch. Well, and... The false architect, that is a name that does come up. Oh, uh-huh. it does indeed. I didn't put Aaron two and two together. That. Yeah, I was going to, I didn't know if you had known Aaron, if you wanted to call it out. I missed it, but I'll bring it up now. Okay, so I put this question later, but because I didn't, the name is so weird that it is, it should be weird enough that it jogged my memory, but it didn't. Um, guys, now's the time where we'll start talking about listener questions. Listener questions, you might ask, what's that? Well, I'll tell you. Um, if you, uh, if you wanted to ask a question of us on the Moral Realms, it's easy to do. All you have to do is hang out in the Moral Realms Discord, which can be found at themoralrealms.com slash Discord. I'll say again, themoralrealms.com slash Discord. Paul, I beat you. Um, And hang out there all day long, which most people do. Many people do. Great, awesome individuals are doing it constantly. And I'll pop in and I'll say, hey, guys, we're going to record an episode. You got any questions? And you're like, yeah, of course I do. And then you ask those questions and I'll put them in the show. Just like this, um, a patron of the show, Lichcast. It's been a while since... Uh, they've asked a question. Welcome back, Lichcast. Uh, they wanted to know, are there any continuation to the story thread 
of an individual named Valius Maliti, Sigmar's chief architect in Zinch Cultist. Um, apparently, he, he, this person kicks it in gray water fastness. Um, he says the the he felt like the last time we heard of this guy was when. Uh, Brock Grungsing left Greywater immediately after meeting him. That's an aside. The point is, is he wanted to know if this guy comes up in this in this here bridal tome, and lo and behold, he does in this story that Paul's talking about. Paul, do you have more to add, or I guess Will too, if you had any thoughts, you guys can find it out. Mm, I, I didn't particularly. I just I thought it was super cool and just very rep- representative of how Zinch works. And it's one of those things where you can always put this in later, and then it'll like really resonate. And it, it's it's one of those little plot hooks that anybody can pick up at any point. And since it's just so vague, it could literally be any city, any free city in the mortal realms. And it, it's I, I like those a lot. It's super fun. Very cool. This guy seems to get around. He, he seems to, uh, I mean, gray water fastness, but it sounds like he's also using, uh, oh, no, he just says realmstone. I thought it was going to be Chamonite. Um, but <laughs> chief architect, apparently he, he he gets to a lot of different places. I wonder how can, a guy can be in so many places at once. What's going on with this dude? Um, Will, do you have any thoughts on who this individual might actually be? Yeah, so the sadly, uh, to answer Lichcast's question, there's no real update uh, when it comes to Greywater Fastness in the Battle Tome, uh, looking through it. Um, but like this person is like the leader of the city he'd almost be like um what is it aventus firestrike for hammer all um or so he like should be in charge and it should be a huge deal that we find out that the guy who runs a city of sigmar is the changeling himself that's what i was looking for Uh, there you go but it never comes up they say he's the changeling and then they run away which is the classic Zinch move to give you just a teensiest bit of knowledge and then scampering off. The, the classic Zinch move is to say, it was me all along! Yeah. You're running out the sunset. Uh, and you, you, you dang kids and your, and your dog too. Um, I believe that we were talking about it in the Discord. And so Zinch, uh, Lynchcast probably saw this at some point, but uh, for those who aren't in the Discord all the time, first of all, what's wrong with you? Second of all, um, I believe uh, Sage Mutt, who is a, a lore aficionado in our, our Discord server, he brings up that um, this this fella actually apparently is mentioned in Soulbound Blackened Earth uh, quite a bit, apparently. Um, and that's the Soulbound um, supplement. It's like an adventure, but it's also like a city guide uh, for Greywater Fastness. And I have not read it yet. I've got it sitting, I've got it sitting on the computer. I just haven't cracked it. Um, and so there might be great information in there for anybody else who wants to learn more about Valius Maliti. Greywater Fastness or the Changeling. I was going to say Cursling. There's too many C blankling things in the Zinch book. Come on. Diversify, Zinch. You're all about infinity. Um, cool. Well, let's just keep on coming. I feel like I narrowed it down quite a bit, right? Early days of Age of done and done. Like we've, we've mined that for interesting stuff. Let's keep it moving. We talked all both stories. <laughs> true, true. And on that same vein, uh, what comes after that, but what the, the AOS 2.0 era, the Necroquake uh, timeframe. Um, I'd be curious. I feel like we haven't talked about Zinch in this context in a while. Um, we'll just, it's, it doesn't take up a lot of space in the book, but what's uh, the Time of Tribulations era for Zinch, what, do, what does that look like? What are they, what is he up to and his followers um, around this time frame? Do you guys any, have any thoughts? He's just chilling. Um, so first, I don't know if this came up during the, the Soul Wars itself, but it was Zinch that figured out what it was that Nagash was doing. And it was like Zinch that hired the Skaven to mess everything up. 
I know like in the book, it kind of talked about all the gods. I think they were just the kids in college classes that let him do all the work and then they take all the credit. <laughs> um, so I'm going to, I'm actually there, not because I actually know that I'm right, but more because to me, this is uh, this is my favorite thing, right? Zinch book is the epitome of the unreliable narrator. Right. So it's like Zinch was like, this is totally my idea. We have no way of proving that. Right. No way of disproving that. It's like, yeah, no, I totally believe it. This is totally something that you would do. Doesn't mean you actually did it, but like, all right, I buy it. This is the way the story goes now. Um, I, which again, another thing I love about Zinch. Yeah. Well, it uses the uh, the gotcha card of the changeling told me. <laughs> like, you could just do that for anything. How'd you find out about this? Oh, the changeling yeah. told me. Don't worry about it. He built Grey Water fastest, and then he scurried on over to Shayish. Um, just or, or he was there all along. Um, it's wild. Uh, one tidbit in this story that jumped out at me was that he called in a long-standing debt from the uh, Great Horned Rat. What kind of debt are we talking here? See, the Necroquake story fairly uninteresting, or we've covered it before. There's not, but like you're gonna you're gonna throw out a debt here. Like, what kind of debts do like these chaos gods have? Like, what, what kind of conversations are they are, are they wheeling and dealing on? Um, and does the great horned ha- horned rat does does he deal in debt like in in like favors and stuff? I'm curious. Tell me more. I got a hashtag Paul theory. No, of course you do. How do how do you think the great horned rat became a chaos god? What do you think for this? Um, no, because Zinch manipulated him into it. And that's the debt that I think he's calling out. He's like, all right, I got you into the Pantheon. You can do this for me. I like it. It was my first thought. As far as Paul theories go, that's a pretty good one, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll say that that's not bad. Do I think it's true? Absolutely not. But, like, it's closer to true than most things. Um, yeah. I, I have a different theory for how the debt came about. Tell me. Because, like, both, both the Great Horned Rat and Seenter are schemers. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like they're treating it almost like a... To use a biblical reference, a Job scenario where they're just like betting on something with mortals and the loser owes the other one a favor. And the great horned rat probably went all in on something, but he's scaven, so he had no idea. He loses the bet and now Zinch is calling in his dues. Okay. See, I like now that I'm too. just imagining that Nagash is Job. And it just works so perfectly because he's just this guy who's just like, I do everything right. I plan everything so well and everything falls apart all the time. And it's not my fault. What kind of whale does Nagash find himself in? Um, <laughs> See, I, I think that the, the the bet is probably or what are you, the debt owed, right? So uh, it talks about it a little bit, not to jump ahead, but in the Broken Realm series where there's a Skaven running around on a silver tower, a Deathmaster with his his few clan rat buddies, and they 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 help out Balakor, and there's it, it definitely reeks of Zeech. Like, oh, look, we magically had this portal that was where you needed to be in this unsurpassable thing with this absolute fortress of Zeech, and you somehow made it through by the skin of your teeth be a shame and like it's just it, it the the amount that the two seem to work together but not scheme um when i was reading this book earlier and talking with a, a couple of buddies one of the things that was asked right out of the gate was like do you think zeech and the great horn rat go and have drinks together and i was like oh absolutely without a question these two are drinking buddies they they play dice together and the dice are mortal fates and mortal things um 
But but realistically, like the null holes and how they work and the magic tied to them, I could see Zeech having a direct uh, direct hand in um, and and helping that way. Uh, I also could see Zeech manufacturing a favor and the Great Horn Rat not caring enough and being like, wait, you you need my people to act on avarice? Oh boy, hold the phone. Let me not call anybody and they'll just do it. Like, <laughs> um, and and they, they all win out of this, right? You have some of the most powerful Skaven spells ever come out of this time. Uh, you have some of the most powerful spells ever come out of this. And Zeech doesn't, uh, it talks about it in the Arcanum Optimar, uh, part of the the book, but they like he he doesn't have to do the work, and he gets to play with all the toys. Man, it it is. He's like the the two of them are sitting kind of on their their porch in in a college town, and somebody just like a, a truck full of beer broke down, and they just happen to have the right park to fix it, and they charged him all the twenty four packs he had. Everybody's happy. They go away, sit and drink, and watch all the world explode because both of them walk out of that pretty well. Even though the Necroquake was for uh, for Nagash, I feel like Zeech and the Great Horn Rat like fist bumped when it happened. Like cool story, bro. Good job, Nagash. Do some more of our homework for us nerd he explicitly says to quote zinch drinks in this mayhem delightedly and his demented laughter echoes across the void yeah um good point yep uh, i will say i would have hashtag vent series all step two um i i do in hindsight thought there would maybe be more involvement of zinch like sort of after the fact right like i never really yeah. thought that he stood out in this arcanum optimar where it really seems like he ought to have right if he's gonna be the chaos god of magic i would have thought he would have had a bigger presence in sort of the beyond the the just cackling at the the fortune the fortune of it all um i would have thought that he would have taken the foreground or forefront of maybe some of the stories after that time frame but not necessarily maybe to some great degree he didn't need it like he's already the master of magic what what does he need more magic so it does kind of stand out in a way like and this could just be a, a because of writing in general but it always feels like when it's not his plan he just kicks back and enjoys it. Mm-hmm. He only cares if he's the one setting everything off. So since he didn't do the Necroquake, all of his plans kind of like need to reset. And while it's, he's resetting, he's going to kick back and drink a cold one while I think of what's going to come next. True. Okay, good point. All right, that's true. That's true. Well, and and if you go through like, and I don't, I'm sure there's, this is harkening way back, but if you go through the Malign Sorcery stories, he has an active role in a few of those. So he, he plays a very active role with these spells, putting them in the right place at the right time, um, letting them be taken control of at the right, right time, like the Predatory Endless spell, even with like Ravenac, it kind of smells of Zeech, like, oh, Ravenac's jaws killed all the bad guys that happened to be... You know, Gores and Zangors be a shame if it turned around and ate all the Sylvaneth that it was trying to protect too. Mm. For shame. <laughs> like, uh, definitely, definitely comes through that he's active there, but that's not tied to this book. So feel free to. Uh, how I dare don't. you insert lore that's not part of this battle tone? Yeah, I am ashamed. So AOS 2.0 doesn't spend a lot of time on it because it really wants to get to the AOS 3.0, the era of beasts, the uh, that Broken Realms-y, post-Broken Realms-y time frame um, is where the, maybe the real interesting stuff may or may not be happening. Um, and I want to ask you guys, I'll, I'll get to generally what does this mean for Zinch, but we got a couple of questions about this time frame, and I want to ask them. Um, the problem is, is I know I'm going to ask them in the wrong order, and so this is going to be clunky. I'm sorry. I, I know it's going to happen right off the bat, and we're going to jump from one to the other. It's not going to make any logical sense. So I'm just going to uh, shotgun a few, and we'll use that to start the conversation. Patron of the show, Mealhern, 
had a couple Apple had a couple good ones about the HBs and let's 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 talk about them. Uh, first one, um, how many Dawnbringer Crusades have been infiltrated by Zinch? And so we'll use that as a jumping off point. Dawnbringer Crusades infil- infiltrated by Zinch. What is he even talking about? And how many do we think he's actually infiltrated? Who wants to talk about a little bit of that? Oh my goodness, so many. I was saying, the answer is yeah, yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, How many is the infiltrator? All of them yeah. is probably a safe bet. Yeah. Like, so Dawnbringer Crusades, for those who may not know, is Sigmar's attempt at restabilizing the frontier of ALS, sending people out to establish cities by building uh, everything on top of an arcane nexus. So the reason we say all of them is because we just mentioned the great architect of all of his cities is the changeling. And all of these arcane nexuses may fall to scenes at some point soon. And so like he, he knows we're talking about how Zinch has a t- has his hand in like civilization, right? Well, they're re-civilizing a lot of locations. Um, and thus where that's where Zinch wants to be. In fact, and then to put it on top of the fact that they're putting it on these sites of arcane power, just choice uh, locations for Zinch. And so because of that, um, I think he wants to insert his followers in every single one that he can. I think we're playing prices, rights, rules. I think you probably have to say all minus one just so you can get get underneath. Uh, you want to you want to yeah. uh, undersell it. Um, but my money is every every last one of them out there has got a got a Zinchian, um touch to it. Uh, they actually spend quite a bit of time on that actually in the beginning of the the lore for this book, talking about the different Dawnbringer mm-hmm. Crusades, talking about. How they specifically will mess with the locations where they're going. Um, they'll be like, oh, uh, which reminds me of one of the Black Libraries novels that I read, which was Dominion, where it was kind of like, okay, well, are they in the right place? Are they not? Who knows? Maybe something will work. Maybe it won't. Uh, I'm not giving away any of the story here, I don't think. It's just more of when you're wandering out in the middle of nowhere and you're like, okay, this hill, this hill is the super cool hill. That will completely save our city and make sure that we are completely fine. Is it really the super cool hill? Or is it maybe the hill next to it? Or maybe the hill after that? Who really knows, right? Uh, and so it was cool to have that delineated within the lore. I like that a lot. Um, I know I mentioned that Mielhorn had a couple questions. We'll go back to his other question. But I think this maybe leads into a different question asked by uh, Chrisling in the Discord. And they ask, does Zinch have any new goals or schemes for the new future? And I think it kind of ties into the Dawnbringer Crusades, going find these, finding those locations, like these arcane nexuses out in the world. Um, but I felt like we learned a little bit, and I was going to try and pull it up about like Zinch's men, uh, mentality or metho- methodology in this new time frame. Um, there was a bit of the in the early parts of the battle tome talking about how he, what did he discover some book or something? Like he has some new knowledge that he didn't have have before. What was that all about? Yeah. It's the Codex Astromantica. Yeah. I know for a fact I pronounced it correctly. And if you think I'm wrong, you're wrong. Sure. Uh, (laughs) I thought it was the Astro Romantica. That's the, that's the uh, romance novel. But it's, it's essentially a bit of knowledge that Zinch doesn't have, which is something the Seraphon have, which is the like essentially all the ley lines and all the arcane like nexus points where magic energy is gathering. And it gives us a few different options on how he possibly stole uh, this book from the Seraphon. Which is funny because it gives us multiple choice, but then one of the stories ties into future lore, which I think we'll cover here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he's specifically trying to go after these 
ley lines, and he's specifically trying to undo the plans of the Seraphon. And conveniently, he's trying to map this all out. And then Sigmar is loudly proclaiming, hey, I've got this cool map, and I'm going to build buildings to harness this energy. Sure would be a shame if someone interrupted it. And then, like, turn his back to Zinch, which is the worst thing to do. I feel like Zinch's constant role is just the guy you cut to when something weird happens. And Zinch is just like, eh, it was me all along. Whenever someone says something that is the equivalent of famous last words, and then it cuts to Zinch messing with it, right? And, yeah. and that's the end of that chapter. Well, well not not quite. Um, so I thought this uh, astrona, Codex Astromantica, Mont- Montica, anyways, um, I thought that was cool. Like it's it's you're always looking for that new thing in these battle tomes, right? And so sometimes you're sorely disappointed because there are no new things. But this one had this uh, new new thing. Zinch sort of has has a specific goal, has something new to his character, or I mean his character, like the character of what his army is trying to do, and they do spend some time focusing on it, which I thought um, was valuable. And for that, it, it elevates the book a little bit because they're spending some time on that stuff. We'll do we'll talk more about that when. Maybe we review it at the end, but this is a, a plus in my in my book in Aaron's battle tome. Um, yeah, very cool. Um, other thoughts about Zinch having new new goals or schemes before I ask some more questions? Um, I guess tangentially related, should we talk about the aftermath of him stealing that book and what yes, please. he's doing the lore? By all means, so, hit me specifically when he steals the book. One of the multiple choice options the book gives you because it's a you know, like Paul said, it's an unreliable narrator, is they attack a Seraphon vault ship in space and it crashes to the realms. And that's the last we hear of it, except we find out that Warcry and I think even Underworlds are possibly taking place in the wreckage of this crashed Seraphon vault ship. Mm-hmm. So it's a footnote in the battle tone, but it's a massive lore drop for some of the other game systems, which mm-hmm. is neat. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. in the Warcry book, it it, it it plays a little coy with like what, what caused the ship to crash in the first place. And all oh, there's this weird flame like all over the place, like maybe Zinch had a hand in it. Well, like, OK, we're in the Zinch book and it talks about crashing a, a vault ship. So like maybe this is the 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 other shoe dropping on that like little tidbit in the Warcry book that's there. What could be the confirmation of that, which is, you know, it's good that that fell on that order, so to speak. So it's a very Zinchian thing for them to put a mystery in one book and then to cut to him going, yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah. You, you got it. You got it in one. Good guess. Um, <laughs> you caught me. Uh, hands up in the air um, or tentacles up in the air. I don't know what he's got. So yeah, very cool. All right, here we go. Um, Mealhern had back to patron of the show. Thank you very much, Mealhern. Asks, um, what is the Chaos God's reaction uh, to Kragnos in the Age of the Beast? Um, so we'll, we'll pause there. Um, I know this is a clunky time to even bring it up, but like the Age of Beast aspect of this 3.0 era, is there any sort of beast element that um, taps into Zinch as we've seen it here? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So first, I want to talk about the story yeah. titled Era of the Beast. Oh, that's weird. Which what a coincidence. Is- it's so wild how that pans out. Literally. It's been fated to happen. Um, yeah, and it's just like the section talking about the era of beasts. I'm thinking, oh, how is he going to manipulate this, use magical schemes? But it gets very literal in the sense that more and more people are just turning into Zangors, just turning into the bestial followers of Zinch and He's just allowing this to happen and trying to speed it up with magic as much as he can. 
whoops, all Zangors. Yeah, it's another situation where like he didn't plan something out, so he's just kicking back and enjoying the spoils of someone else's failure. Mm-hmm. I think does it say at one point in the book where it's like all this like violence of like you know the sort of physical nature? He's like, yeah, that's not really for me. Nah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, I let exactly. it go, but like yeah. it, it's it's it tangential. Um, you mentioned the Zangors. I was going to bring this up later when we talked about Zangors and the units, but you, since you, you said so, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't go back to a crystalline question. They ask, uh, are Zangors benefiting from the feral nature of the era of the beast? I should have predicted that this is maybe where we would talk about it, but yes, it seems <laughs> as if they they are, which makes a lot of sense. Good job, Battletome writer. You called it. Um, and crystalline, good job. You called it too. Um, very cool. Uh, second part of Mealhorn's question was, are there any hints about Bellacor's plans. Apparently, we're interested in Bellacor because Darth Alec also asked about Bellacor. He says that any mention of Bellacor seems to be the big schemer on the chaos side now. Um, so, Bellacor has been brought up. Do you, any any sight uh, of Bellacor in this in this here battle tome um, that you guys caught? I was just going to say, I think the the tie-in is that um, the the huge role that's played. Um, we talked about the the vault ship going down, but I feel like again between Bellacor and Zeech, there must have been some kind of agreement because, right, a silver tower gets aced in space during the Age of Beasts, during the Broken Realms, right? It just gets blown up by Seraphon, and they're like, ha we did it! And Bilicor's like, cool story, bro. Now I know how to do the thing that you just tried to do to me, and I'm going to do it all over the place. So, thanks. Uh, we needed the answer, key. You gave it willingly. Appreciated. Um, and you see the Zeech tie-in here because the Gaunt Summoners aren't his, and they talk about that a lot. Um, but, uh, they also talk about how like Atrazan, who's a, uh, he's somebody who works for the eternal conflagration host and he just wants to set the world on fire. (laughs) Um, so he, uh, (laughs) oh, (laughs) what? That wasn't covered in the bylaws. Yeah. Cause we never make any money if we explain it to people. It's we spring it. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Paul, thanks. Thanks You're for the heads up. I figured you would have told me, but here we are. <laughs> um, just as planned. So the uh, <laughs> so he shows up, and he's there when the uh, the Silver Tower goes down. He's there at the Siege of Indicarum. Um, Atrazan is a character, super cool, um, in just his wanton lust for burning everything to the ground with magic. Cool, like it, big fan. Um but he works with and for Balakor, yet still contains, like, runs alongside Zeech, like, does Zeechian plot stuff. Like, he's still a card-carrying member of now both teams, and so it just seems like they work together from the Broken Realms, and that their their allegiance is pretty scary for the rest of the crew. It's so interesting that, like, Zeech, his followers are so willing, or maybe not willing in the case of the Gun Summoners, but, like, more so than any other gods are out there working with other, like, I guess, chaos elements, but are maybe specifically the Slaves of Darkness elements. Um, but this is, yeah, another example of them, or at least the call out in the Chaos Gods book, in this case, the Zinch book, referencing how they're being sort of used in that other other ways with the, the undivided chaos, you know, element, which I thought was very cool. Um, you guys have other... I guess Bellacor thoughts. I think Eternal Conflagration was what I wanted to bring up, the, the Siege of Indicarum, which in hindsight is we knew about previously, but it does reference it again here in this book. So other other thoughts before we keep going? I didn't have a Bellacor thought, but there was a quick little thing. Um, it was just one sentence, but it mentioned how the Arrow of the Beast has made magic more volatile now. 
and not just the era of the beast, but in, in general, the soul wars with Nagash messing with magic and now Alariel messing with magic and Teclas messing with magic, that there actually may be a, a, a consequence for all of this. I'm going to harness the realms to do the things that really don't seem possible. Uh, and Zinch is actually looking forward to taking advantage of that at some point. It seemed like to me. So I thought that was... I'm sure it'll be fine. I don't think anything is going to come of that. Like, it's just... <laughs> it's no way. What's the worst that could happen? Cut to Zinch. <laughs> it's still me. I'm still doing it. Um, all right, very cool. So that was a lot of listener questions all in a row. People were really interested in this time frame. Rightfully so, because that's where I think a lot of the new... What new stuff in this book, I think, stems from a lot of this this era. So, very neat. Um, were there any other stories from this time frame? So, we answered questions. Do you guys have any stories uh, in the book that you wanted to bring up? Uh, I had kind of an observation as we go through it, uh, was that you see Zeech doing things, right? We just talked about how the Necroquake, he's like, cool. And even with some of the Broken Realms, he's like, neat. But when it comes to this part of the book, you see Zeech doing things. He's, he's out in force, you know... Uh, being the the deep seated planner, being the um, hazardous uh, map, right? He's being the things he said he would be all those years ago, and I think it's cool because it means he's ramping up for something big. Um, I've and again, he's the changer of ways. This is, could all be smoke and mirrors, but it feels like he's actually doing some big stuff, uh, and I think that that's kind of cool. You know, maybe the next age will be the age of Z. Who knows? What if he's ramp? What if he's ramping up to something little though? Like just to keep you guessing. Like just you'll never know what it would do. If he's zigging or he's zagging, um, it's just a bunch of little stuff. Um, oh, Zinch! Right. He's just gonna punk a couple more cities to be like, hey, <laughs> get out of here. I do want to call out the fact that in this battle tome, it is an. They do have the example of referencing the battle box that did just happen. I know Paul <laughs> likes when they do that, uh, and they've done it here. So they spend some time. Actually, we kind of talked about actually. Thinking about what we chatted about with, with Doug on the previous episode, we sat there and wondered because we didn't have this book yet. We wondered, hey, this seems like one of those timeline little blurb stories. I'm talking about Arcane Cataclysm. I wonder if it'll be one. I wonder if it will be the blurb in uh, in the either the Zinch or the Lumineth Battletome. I haven't read the Lumineth one yet, but um, so here we are. Lo and behold, that um, Arcane Cataclysm is, in fact, uh, they call it the Duelist Sorcery in here, but basically they summarize uh, what happened in that battle box. I will not do that now because we spent many hours doing that previously. Double many hours because he had to do that episode twice. And so I ain't going to do it a third time. That would be excessive. Um, two times was excessive, in fact. I'm going to double down on something else, though. Hit me. Don't literally hit me. So speaking of box sets, they also referenced Ether War. And they talked about how Grungi has returned to the realms, which is part of um, the Broken Realms series. But then they talk about how the Caradron overlords have renewed the Aether War with a vengeance, launching mass naval bombardments on Zinch-held regions in the Spiral Crux. Love it. Not only do we have, hey, this is a reference of the box set that was there, but also, this is what's happening now. Not only did we give you that narrative, here's how that narrative is continuously unfolding. I think that is the first time we've ever seen that, and that's fantastic. Love it, love it, love it. And I also love that it calls out that the title of the box set was not just a singular event or a singular battle as a battle box, but it is an ongoing campaign that is happening. Absolutely. 
they do a good job of just having little little one line or one sentence in these stories that like imply a lot more than like than you than you think about or than you realize when you first read the sentence. So we're talking about Durangani come, coming back to the realms, the, the way they lead into that story is even the changer of the ways is shocked to discover that the Duarden Smith God Grungni has returned to the realms. Surprised? Is Zinch ever surprised by anything? And of all the things that he's surprised by, why would this be the thing that surprised him? Frankly, it didn't even surprise me that Grungni was coming back to the realms. I I would have uh, put money on it eventually happening. But then again, I guess that's the difference between me reading a story and Zinch living it, so to speak. But like the fact that this occurred and surprised him, it didn't seem like this is the sort of thing that should catch him off guard. And like, what about it catches him off guard? Uh, what, what secret is there that he didn't expect? Um, or is it just a throwaway line and he's not really surprised and this is just the author writing nonsense? I don't know. But like that that threw me for a loop. I was surprised that Zinch was surprised that uh, Grogany was was heading back to the realms. Like he wasn't dead. Like he was going to come back eventually. Yeah. I, I have a theory. I have an I'm sure you do. Tell me. Do you know why Zinch was surprised? Because Dwarden don't use magic. And so Zinch can't see what they're doing because mm. they don't use magic. They use runes. Uh, sure. Okay, yeah. I like yeah. that, Paul. Uh, I liked your other one better, but sure, that it's, <laughs> it's not awful. I won't explain. You can't bat a thousand, all right? You got to go like 667 at best. If I dislike one, I'll flat out tell you no, and I will not tell you no. That one's, that one's, that was within the realm of reason. Um, I'm doing bad if it's within the realm of reason. Like, that's not what it's supposed to do, right? You're not living up to your, yeah, your, your full potential. So, um, yeah, we'll see where that where that comes. The fact that they bring it up here that Grogni's hit the realms, hit, returned to the realms. I think I've said it before, but like I never even realized that he left, honestly. Um, and so this is yet another example of them touching on it again. I think that this is building to something too. We've talked about you know the unification of the Duarten and like what does that mean for the future. I think this is yet another example of. I think the fact that they keep on touching on it means that something inevitable is going to happen. Uh, one of the the things I think that I took away from this book too is uh, at one of the other points they talk about how even though the Caradron are, are assaulting the Spiral Crux and the Aether War is renewed, um, I believe the exact quote was something like, but they'll soon find out that there is only one master of the spiral crux and i was like yes Zeech, get him like suit up put those dukes up man put that put those boxing gloves on you can't give it back to grugney he left he lost he didn't call he didn't call seat save or seat check um is there's a new new metal dude in charge get on board grugney uh cool other stories from this era before we get out of these eras entire, entirely are we caught up i really want to talk about mistrust reigns so Mistrust Reigns is specifically a Dawnbringer Crusade, um, but it's launched from Settler's Gain, uh, which we've had we've heard a lot about. And so it's kind of fun to hear something from the Zinch Battle Tome talking about a Lumineth city. Um, and they're going to go to the Mons Speculari, which is actually, I think, something that we've heard from before. Um, and basically, all of a sudden, stuff just starts to go wrong. Little things, not big things, but like, the Aqua Duranus turns rancid. Oh, I didn't know it could do really that. That's supposed way. to happen. Which yeah. may be the first time that we've actually heard um, Realm Stone be subverted. However, we're not in the realm of Garan, so I buy it. Then um, we have all this kind of stuff, but incited by the charismatic master hero font, Anuka Tirna. The interesting thing to me is we haven't word, heard the word hero font to my knowledge since the Old World and Tomb Kings. 
And so I'm wondering if this was an intentional use or if it was a an aside of like, oh, yeah, we'll just use this word. Um, I think it's semi-intentional mm-hmm. in the sense that with a lot of Zintil and Settlers Gain stuff, I do feel like they pull in a lot of similar imagery and verbiage. Agreed. Um, and basically, the way this story goes on, which I also really like, is that they basically are like, everything's terrible. This is horrible. We need to just figure out how to save ourselves. And so they go to a specific ruin that they have been actually told by the Lumineth, you can't go here. And they're like, but this is the only safe passage. And they get there, and then there's a Lumineth army waiting and saying, nope, you can't come here. Not taking them anywhere else, not assisting them in any way, just saying, yeah, there's only safe place that's here for miles. You can't go here. And then they start fighting. <laughs> and um, it, it just, it was a really great little thing to show two order factions fighting. Completely believable, completely relatable, and really well done. Um, and un- until another group of Lumineth show up and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. We shouldn't be fighting. Um, the mysterious Tirna has already shed her disguise, once more donning the mask of the Magister Azateth of the Cult of a Thousand Eyes. I thought that was just super fun and a great way of adding a little bit of lore to one of the Battle Tome factions, which they don't always do, right? Um, usually it's just like, this is the faction. Moving on. This is the faction moving on, but actually demonstrating how this faction works within one of the stories I thought was super fun and really enjoyable. Uh, I thought for sure she was going to be the changeling again because it's always the change. <laughs> yep, but not, but a different faction. So, And they're the spies and they totally revere the changeling. So it totally makes sense that she would act like it. So I'm not a, I'm not 100 percent sure it's it's still not the changeling. I mean, I think maybe it still is <laughs> fair. The changeling's real name is Tirna. No one knows, but yes. Yeah. Well, and one, it also, the story really highlights like how Zinch tends to operate where a lot of these situations could possibly occur without his guiding hand, which is why he's so subtle. He doesn't, who knows if he even needed to do that much to get that fight to actually happen. Yeah, true. Just a little nudge. All it takes. Uh, cool. Any other stories or timeline stuff you all want to talk about? I lost my notes. Oh, I found them. All right, so here we go. We'll, we'll take we'll take a break from all that. And let's get into some uh, other broader strokes. Um, so now is the point where I like to talk about how the faction is, you know, maybe organized. How do they live? How do they exist in the moral realms? Sometimes, quote unquote, at home. There's no home for Zinch. Home is everywhere. Home home is in your brain and in your heart. That's where Zinch uh, kicks it. Um, but uh, do you guys have any thoughts, anything jump out at you in terms of the organizational structures of Zinch, um, how they persist, what they're doing, how they spend their time in the moral realms? Do you guys have any thoughts on that front? It's very vague. Do with it as you will. I mean, Zinch spends his time in the mortal realms, not Zinch the god, but Zinchian forces. By literally just doing everything that you would assume a normal person is going to do. They make candles, they're butchers, they are, you know, they work in the libraries. They just show up. And that's, again, one of the things that I really enjoy about this faction is they're just normal people, especially the mortals. The Arcanites are literally just normal people. And then they put these masks on 
and they become these massive muscled brutes that can fight everything. But without the mask, they're just normal people, old, young, doesn't matter. And it's a fun thing. So yeah, what does Zinch do? Literally everything. Yeah. Imagine any job in the mortal realms, they do that. Princes, paupers, and everything in between. Um, and this isn't even the direction I intend, or I had, I had no intention as to what direction we were going to go, but this is a great way to bring it up or a great way to jump into this stuff is yeah. Like those followers out there, um, are doing everything in secret. Like they, they could be your, your butcher, your baker, they could be your candlestick maker. Um, but at the same time at night, they're not going home. They're going to underground, uh, I don't know, sites, fonts of power and worshiping profane gods. Um, and uh, they're all wearing their masks. You, nobody knows, not often, often, like all their cultists aren't going to know who else is in their cult because it's all about secrecy and smoke and mirrors and all this jazz. And so it's a, it's a very insidious um, uh, insertion into the modern civilization of the mortal realms. It's wild. Other thoughts, keep them coming. One thing I thought that was interesting is like how it has everything like organized with the various cults and then it just calls out like the potential allies like uh curslings or the ogroids uh thaumaturges and it makes it feel like you've got your own little clique your own little club but then like next week we're having a special guest and then you bring <laughs> in the cursling and you eat chips and stuff as you talk about your day <laughs> That is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I also like to talk that like, oh, they try to have like, you know, divisions of nine and, and things of that nature. But like, sometimes you don't because like, it's just weird and mercurial and there's no like rhyme or reason. Like everything's always changing in this like power structure here. Um, and both it, they are sort of at the mercy of the whims of Zinch, right? And so like at any given moment, the whole power structure might change, whether someone just flat out gets eliminated or now, now I'm the boss, now you're the boss, who's the boss now? And it's just, uh, it, it, it's um, very ever shifting um, because uh, that is Zinch. Zinch is ever shifting. It's in the name change of ways, um, which I thought was interesting for sure. Uh, Will, you had mentioned allies and I thought maybe this is where we were gonna go, but it wasn't, which is fine because we're gonna go there now. Um, do the disciples of Zinch, do they have any allies as a faction, like from a faction perspective? Do they have other factions out there that they're pals with, which is tricky for chaos gods because they don't, it's not normal. Um, but did any, did any allies jump at you fellas? Anything float your boat? Nobody and everybody. I mean, uh, some of the, the stuff canonically, like from the, um, the book War Queen, which came from eons ago, but they talk about a Zichian cult that has uh, essentially Darko savagers that worship them, and just the different cultists and the varying cultists that would find their way, if you will, to the Changer of Ways. Um, so you see some Slaves to Darkness that would would work and follow up with the, the Changer of Ways because it just seems to work out well, right? Um, you also have all the Zangor hordes, right? When it comes to to Zeech, he's like, gores are cool. And when you read the Beast of Chaos book, it talks about how uh, regular Beast of Chaos, some of them think it's weak to declare yourself a god, but the Zangor hosts are huge and they're massive. And it takes regular gores and best of gores and turns them into this all new, in some ways, much more powerful version of themselves uh, and really elevates them. So you, you see some of that too. So I think. Um, and it even talks about this in the Age of Beast uh, part of this book where regular gores are transmuting into Zangors at an alarming rate and humans and Carricks are turning into Zangors at an alarming rate now that Kragnos is back. And I think that's that's really cool. 
you you brought up uh, sort of slaves of darkness, and I think there's other like arid directions that uh, allies from Zinch come from there. So uh, I think I mentioned earlier, but talking about the gaunt summoners, right? So mm-hmm. they're ostensibly under Archeon's thumb, and yet they still are. They you know derive their power from Zinch, right? There's Zinchian demons, and so although allies, I mean, this is not a relationship that anybody wants in particular, besides maybe Archeon. Um, it's in doing so, there is that intrinsic link that they're always going to have because the gaunt summoners are still going to be you know, tied to the uh, slaves to darkness side of things as well. So like it's a, it's an ally, uh, an allyship under duress, but an allyship uh, nonetheless, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Will it sound like you were going to say something? Yeah. So the, another ally, which is actually cross grand Alliance is sometimes cities of Sigmar. Um, in the sense that they overtake the cities and things like that. And it sounds goofy, but also in the new Pat the Glory section for Zinch, you can unlock cities of Sigmar as an ally. So it's really? lore that's also being supported by the rules of that they are absorbing the, the free cities. That's interesting. So I didn't read the Pat the Glory stuff, but that's fun. I mean, it, it's whether it's inadvertent or Burton. Um, yeah, right. It's it seems as if where go the cities of Sigmar, there goes Inch too. So right, like it's a, it's a. There's a linkage there too. Um, what is the Realm of Light Warcry Warband called? Cipher Lords. Look Cypher it up. Lord. You guys aren't as fast as Google. Uh, I know this isn't <laughs> exactly what I'm normally asking when I ask this question. And yet, I was trying to find other slaves to darkness like connections. And so we know that those cultists in the slaves to darkness that those those warcry warbands basically, right? A lot of the hallmark of what they do is that they worship chaos in forms that like they don't they don't know of the chaos gods specifically, but they worship chaos gods and like how they interpret the chaos gods. And I think oftentimes we try to guess like who, who are they really worshiping without knowing who they're worshiping. And so I think the cipher lords are a prime example of folks worshiping Zinch and not knowing that they're worshiping Zinch. Um, and so, again, this is a stretch towards the question of who their allies are, but this is another pocket of Slaves to Darkness that I think are tied to Zinch without maybe not even knowing it. So, Well, and the Corvus Cabal definitely feel very Zinchian as well with all their bird themes and the Great Gatherer. Um, but I know I said, you know, kind of cheekily, anybody and nobody, right? But that really is it. Uh, Zinch is one of those factions where it literally can be anybody can work with Zinch and anybody cannot work with Zinch um, because it is such an insidious idea. And, and, and that's the whole point of why the Chaos Gods have such power is because it is a simple thing to think. I don't have money and somebody else has money and that needs to work, Right. I don't have power and somebody else has power and I want that power. And it just like how in the realm of death, if you believe that an afterlife exists, then it exists and you can go there and you can live out your, your days of afterlife in this heaven or hell, whatever. But the same thing is you don't actually need to believe that Zinch exists because he already does because so many people have prayed to him and worked for him. And so it's not even, you have to have a bunch of your friends. It's literally just you. If you're just like, I'm going to, I'm going to pray that change is coming and, and my lot in life will, will turn and that's it. 
and then you get these powers and then you start start changing and start mutating or whatever and that's it that's all you need it's such a personal thing like most of the chaos gods and it literally can be anyone i think it's interesting too you brought up mutation paul um the uh the the beast of chaos god morger used to be the master of mutation and i kind of want to see in the age of beasts that that battle come to fruition like morgar versus zeech about who's the most most mutagenic of the two i think that'd be kind of a neat school uh neat neat battle to see visa chaos versus zeech be and fun clans molders like let me get in on this and let me right. show you a thing or two um, <laughs> very cool so i mean probably you had mentioned that like anybody could be their ally and to the same degree everybody can be his enemy so like i think it's a given when it comes to chaos gods that like you're right everybody can be zinch's enemy in fact oftentimes zinch is zinch's enemy um but were there any hallmark enemies that you guys wanted to bring up there's the one obvious one whoever gets there first gets dibs uh who are zinch's enemies it is like nurgle 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 is specifically called out in the battle tome as zinch's enemy because zinch is all about change all about making things different. Nurgle is all about stagnation, all about giving in to despair, which is the opposite of what Zinch is. And it's funny because when I read that, I was like, oh, this is going to be Corn because Corn hates magic. Uh, but no, it was Nurgle. And so I, I don't know if that was actually a change in the lore or a, um, a new interpretation of it. But um, I seem to remember way back in the day that it was always Corn versus Zinch. But maybe I'm just crazy and old. At least as far as long as Age of Sigmar has existed, that's been the um, the dichotomy, and I, I want to say it predates Age of Sigmar too. I don't though I don't know for sure. Um, I always would have I always objected to that, and I thought yes, Corn versus seems to be the ob- obvious uh, objection. In that yes, I get I get the point they're trying to make about like Zinch wants to break cycles, right? The cycles are nothing to him; he doesn't want that. Whereas Nurgle's like no, no, no. There's a there's a cyclical nature to things. It goes from one to the other, back and forth. That's it. Um, and I see why that's different, but like. Magic versus not magic seems like a stronger thing, like a stronger uh, uh, abstract objection, sort of. But apparently not. I was overruled. Um, so, so be it. I get it. Um, it seems as if uh, Zinch has all sorts of chaos guys who, who who ought not be his friends, for sure. Um, do you guys have any other Nurgle thoughts, per se, or did we just sum up the fight there? I think that pretty sums it up. Yeah, right. Excellent. I think we might even touch touched on it in the Nurgle Battle Tome episode. Maybe. Can't remember. Other enemies would be the Dwarden, um, called out specifically with Grugni and the Aether War. Kind of in a similar thing. A lot of Dwarden don't... They're stubborn. They're not prone to change, which makes them the opposite of Zinch. And then, as Paul mentioned, they don't use magic. So he just doesn't understand them from the get-go and wants them to change. Maybe flip them upside down. Like, I don't look at it from a different angle. Well, I mean, the other thing, too, is he, like, broke their house. Like, he, like, broke their area. He's like, yo, what's up? I hear you like this spiral crux area. Be a shame if I threw a griffin at it. For shame. Ah, griffin, the one weakness. Uh, (laughs) You've you've really got an Achilles griffin there, Duarden. (laughs) Oh, man. P-tier griffin. All right, cool. So any other enemies you guys want to talk about? I'm I'm gonna go in and throw one one last wrench. Bring it. Zinch. Zinch is his own enemy. You got it. It talks specifically about how Zinch is just like I kinda don't like it when people win. I really like despair. Also, I really like change. So if even if you're like 
the most impressive, most honored Lord of Change, there's no guarantee that tomorrow you're going to be the most honored or I'm going to care about you. So Zinch is Zinch's own worst enemy because they're constantly looking for reasons to overthrow each other and scheme and plan, etc. Me and Zinch have that in common. All right, um, let's talk about some of our favorite units uh, in this here faction or army or uh, whatever the term is. Um, did you guys have any favorite uh, things in this army, whether it's for lore reasons or for aesthetic reasons? Heck, maybe even rule reasons, which doesn't make any sense to me, but sure. Um, who were some of your fades and why? Uh, I'll, 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 I'll give Vint the chance since, since this is his first go around. Um, Vint, who, who, who is your faves out there? Fave or faves? And tell us about them. When it, when it comes to uh, characters, I really like Atrazan. When it comes to, and he's just a fate skimmer, which is neat, right? It's a cool model. Uh, they're, they're just fun. And the fact that he likes to blow stuff up and burn things to a crisp, when Zeech is like, subtle, 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 he's like, ha but I've got flames, <laughs> right? Burn it all. Um, he's a cool character, and I've got a fate skimmer painted up as much as I could to look exactly like him. Um but when it comes to like cool things in this codex that they talked about, uh, the horrors are always good. They're just fun. The the characteristics of blues being mean and angry with like the blue scribes. One of them can read and the other one can't write, and it's just it's it's beautiful. Like the the cool dichotomies that are pushed into the horrors of all shapes and sizes is just neat. Um, you know, a pink horror is a scrambling, babbling nonsensical thing and then you get the blue horrors and they're just generally mean like like i like that that was a characteristic of this very you know small creature that goes around hurling flames i just i feel like they're kids with rocks that are just angry and you're all ants you know <laughs> um and I, I think that they're super cool and in in all things right it's very zichi and this pink thing could split into two smaller things that remembers everything no 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 we're not going to do that they're just going to be freaking angry um and then uh the other one that i really liked is the ogroid thamaturge I've, I've liked him since the silver tower the model was just super cool uh, the lore jumps in and it's it's super fun. And having uh, a combative ogroid that got his powers as the ogroids, uh, their their species gets kind of pushed into the slaves to darkness and kind of left um, by Kragnos and some of the other gods that might have had a hand in helping them. They get left to the chaos waste. And the ones that swear themselves as each are just super cool in the fact that they're like, yeah, I'm all muscle and I can definitely out bench press you, Sigmarite. Uh, but I can also like cast some cool spells as I, my fury and rage uh, actually come through in a spell form. And I think that's really neat, like tying something that would normally feel very coronate, like, oh, I'm angry and I'm big and strong. And but instead making it sound almost more like a Goku or, a, you know, some other character where they're just going to hit you with a harder Kamehameha. Right. Hmm. That you haven't you haven't seen before. Um, and Go so I really, really. His power level is way over 9,000. Um, and to see some of that reflected in the rules where, yeah, I can fight, but also I can cast some super bad Apple spells uh, or <laughs> cast some really cool tentacle spells um, is really neat. Uh, and and it's neat because he's got writhing tendrils as his spell. And I just think that that's a cool, a cool image, like this ogroid who wants to jump in and beat you up is going to trap you with these these tentacles from the ground, uh, so you can't get away. And it just it's super neat. Uh, the imagery and 
the idea of these these large uh, bovine characters being able to to fight as well as cast magic, um, similar to like the Cursling. It's just it's a really cool image and a really cool character concept. Yeah, I agree. Um, I love that we're going to find out more about Ogroids. Presumably, I know it's not this book; it's going to be the slaves' book. But like, we get the idea that you know, they used to be this destruction faction, and they felt abandoned by you know they 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 needed to fall to chaos then, and they found their home on you know whether it's the Zinch side of things or the slave to chaos things. I I want to find more about like the history of that um, race, uh, and it's knowing that that is being expanded upon has only made me like the thaumaturge more like knowing that it's it's not just this guy but there's more to it than that has made me like this guy uh, more which i think is pretty cool um just as an aside chrisling asks any mention of ogres and i think the answer is no the ogroids may be as close as we get to them i know it's not an ogre but it's got like ogre in the name so sorry i think this might be as close as we get to ogres in this book do you guys agree am i wrong no, That's there's no ogres. All right, so I'm hearing head nods. So, sorry, this is, uh, can we have ogres? No, we have ogres at home. It's ogres. It's um, <laughs> so, can I just make a quick note? We always get the question, what about beasts? Do they talk anything about beasts in this book? Beasts are literally lo- losing to beasts in this book because <laughs> the gores are turning into zangors. Yeah. So, yes, we do hear about beasts. Yes, they're still losing. They didn't even get a little blurb talking about how they're losing this time, though. But they still lost. Sure. But if you think about it, zangors are still in the beast book. So all those normal people are now beasts. So it balances out. Yeah, I think equilibrium for sure. Uh Will, did you have any favorites from this belt? Yeah, so the one I was going to talk about was going to be the Kyric Acolytes, which we had talked about before. They were just the standard cultists. Um, and the cool thing about it is like they are the main human mortal unit of this army, but they're not normally found in an army. Normally someone like blows the whistle and all the librarians and all the candle makers and the clock makers just come storming into the streets, put on a mask, get really buff and start stabbing people. <laughs> so it's interesting to think like one of the main units for an army, like does not operate in the way a unit would in any sort of standard military. Sleeper agents, kind of. Yeah. Very neat. Uh, right on. Paul, did you have any faves that you wanted to chat about? Yeah, I I don't know why. Probably because I'm a torque. Um, but I love flamers. All are. The flamers are just so weird. Like they're literally just like fungus flopping flame machines. Uh, and it kind of talks about that in the in the background. It's just they're they don't even have legs. They just kind of like exhaust hot air to mobile themselves and just. They go across the battle to- or the battlefield and just, yep, I'm flopping around, burning your butt, and having a great time doing it. And if I'm really cool, I even get a chariot, so I don't even have to flop around. I just sit on a chariot and literally just flamethrower you all over the place. So, yeah, no, I, I, I love the flamers because they're just so weird, and there's one of those things that's just super Warhammer and just super weird and nonsensical. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Flamers. I think it's a coincidence because they're. Mu- I think it's a coincidence that they're mushroomy. 
I, like I wouldn't some. call that a, a coincidence. I, I think that's a very strong <laughs> reason why they're my favorite. But I, I also, before I even collected goblins, I actually did get the old fifth edition flamers. And for some reason, I just thought they were super fun. But they did have a very strong fungus effect there. So like the miniatures themselves looked like a piece of fungus that was flopping around. So, yeah. I think uh, the cool thing with uh, with flamers, Paul, that I liked was that it's not even flames. They're they're like the D100 roll a hundred times of what the magic item is or what the magic power is. They're, they're like, am I burning you? Is my casting fireball burning hands and uh, cure greater wounds? And the answer is yes to all. Like, I'm going to heal you, but net po- it's always going to be net negative because I'm going to be mass mutating you or I'm going to be doing some other awful thing to your, your, your body uh, or whatever they're attacking. I'm literally a live fungus flopping across the battlefield. Why wouldn't I have a hundred things that I can do to you? I will say, I kind of wish they had a new sculpt, though, right? I feel like they might need they might need a little update. And maybe to be more fungusy, perhaps, uh, if that's the direction yeah, they need to yeah, go. Yeah, not wrong. Um, all right, my favorite, I think, is probably the Lord of Change. I think that's the the I think is the best greater demon even that they make. I think it outclasses all mm. the rest of them. Um, it's I think a cool kit. It is yeah. super legit. So these guys um, are the high, one of the highest echelons. So I do they they do spend some time talking in the book about like how the Lords of Change are like the the top of the top of the pile, top dogs, top birds, I guess. Um, and then literally a few pages later, they're like, no, 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 but Gaunt Summoners are actually better than that. So it's like, <laughs> okay, come on, pick one. Anyways, um, so the Lords of Change are neat, the greater demons. Um, I like that they spend so much time talking, like uh, quite a bit of time talking about how they will fly away. Like they're, they they don't want to engage with you. They'd rather just shoot spells at you from afar, unlike all the other greater demons. Um, <laughs> and so that like they, they're not above, I mean, they are above you because they're flying, but they're not above flying away uh, as a tactic so that they can cast their spells, um, which is legit. And they say, all right, even if you can get past their arcane defenses, even if you land a blow, like they've got really tough skin, but like, frankly, that's not going to happen. So like, good luck trying to even touch them. So I think it's the greatest model and uh, they exude power um, for sure. I don't think I have anything else to add about the Lords of Change. Um, do you guys have any other models or units that you want to talk about? Yeah, just a real quick, I'm just realizing that if the Kyric Acolytes are a bunch of nerds that get turned buff through magic, the Cursling is like the exact opposite. It's a buff <laughs> jack that Zinch stapled a nerd onto. <laughs> so yep. he whispers, whisper nerd secrets into his ear. Yeah. That's true. Nerds! So we do have another question. Akarian asks, uh, how are the Gaunt Summoners faring with their slave work for Archeon? Any? Do we get any real updates, or should we even talk about what the guns? I guess we've already touched on the fact that Archeon owns these dudes. Basically, Archeon a long time ago found out all the gaunt summoners' names and their demons, and so once that you know their names, you sort of control them. Um, how's that working out for them? And do you guys have anything to talk about from the gaunt summoner perspective? Um, so it's interesting because it never actually. Like it mentions that they work for Archaon, but it never talks about what that relationship is like. Mainly the story we dive into is the Gaunt Summoner mentioned in Broken Realms who failed horribly to the Seraphon. Horror He's just sort of getting horribly. <laughs> He's just getting tortured uh, forever. And as his silver tower is slowly being rebuilt, Sinch is just punishing him for not thinking ahead enough to see this coming. 
and I love that, like, not only is he, like, being tortured horribly for an infinity, but, like, yeah, of course he is. He failed. Like, yeah, this is just normal life for a god summoner. Like, yeah, of course. Of course you're being tortured indefinitely. You, you mean it didn't work out perfectly? How dare you? I mean, I might have been the one that made sure it didn't work out perfectly, but still, how dare you? Yeah. Well, and it answers a question I had from Broken Realms of, okay, there's nine gaunt summoners. And then we see one of them explode. What the heck happens? The answer is, well, he's going to be punished forever until it's time for him to come back. Yeah. Because being a demon, they reform, right? Out in the... The, yeah, the voice so they're people. never going to die. They're just always going to just get, when they die, they go to what we imagine hell to be, which is just being tortured forever. What's, what's, what's hell for a demon, right? What's a demon hell? Like, I imagine when I go, when I go there, there will be demons there, but it's not the same as uh, yeah. demon hell, for sure. <laughs> um, I always thought it was fun that, like, there's only nine of these gaunt summoners, so every time you put a gaunt summoner in your army, it's one of those nine, whether you like it or not. Um, so you yeah. might as well yeah. pick one. Um, and I haven't been writing the list down, but I bet the Lexicanum probably has it. But um, I'd be curious to like refresh myself on what some of their names are, which is yeah. I know what I'm doing I, after this episode. Is the Eater of Eyes is the one that died in Broken Realms. Oh, I'm not sure. Eater of Tomes. Eater um, of Tomes, I think. Eater of Tomes, because there's the Tyrant of Eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was wild that like they really make it a point to be like these gaunt summoners. I think they even say that like these are the masters of magic. Like that. It, that it seems as if they are even uh, above and beyond what the Lords of Change are. Um, and and yet they still are in service to Archeon, right? Like, so these are the most, it feels like some of the most powerful casters on the face of the planet, which is the mortal realms. And yet they still answer to somebody. Everybody's got a boss, um, which is wild. And I'm just going to keep talking. One thing that I don't know that I've ever read before, though I don't know if it's new or not. I can't remember if it was in any sort of previous books before, but it does spend some time talking about the fact that the Gaunt summoner, Summoners fell under Archeon's sway to some degree because Zinch let it happen, or maybe he even encouraged it to happen. Like he pushed them in that direction. I didn't know that he had sabotaged that relationship. Um, and why he took some sort of glee knowing that like these really powerful, like all powerful, like casters, like, ah, no, I don't think so. Let me humble you a little bit by linking some of your names, maybe all your names to Archeon so that you're in service to this dude. So in some ways it's Zinch giving up some bit of his own power in the form of these Gaunt Summoners over to this, champion um of you know a champion undivided uh which noteworthy interesting for sure hashtag unreliable really narrator <laughs> who knows if he actually did that or not right that maybe lost right? his dude to be like, like revisionist history of like oh i totally did that that was totally my plan yeah well and it's it even says like archaeon has no idea the aid scene gave him so it's like yeah 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 if you ask anyone they'll have no idea but I, <laughs> yeah. know. I, didn't, I didn't i didn't get fired i quit um <laughs> so there's that yeah very cool uh other models or units before we keep going all right let's keep the train rolling um this book, as with every other battle tome, they have a bunch of sub-factions, uh, you know, groupings or, 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 or uh, factions that are emblematic of sort of like hallmark features of these of these armies. Um, we've got a whole bunch of them here because we're dealing with both demons and mortals. Did you guys have any favorite sub-factions that you wanted to chat about and tell the listeners about? I know it's going to surprise everybody that's listened so far, but the Eternal Conflagration is kind of my jam. <laughs> Flamers everywhere, everything explodes, what a time to be alive. Uh, 
they're, they're just cool, right? Atrazan shows up, he burns Vindicarum to the ground, gets aced by some Grugni worshippers, and is like, whatever, dude, I'm a demon, I'll be back. And, and it's just it's just cool. Yeah, he's like, oh no, you blew up a silver tower. Same book, blowing up Vindicarum. Do not care. Um, and it, it's just super cool to see see him and like see the, the Legion at work. Uh, you get... Uh, conflagration host and a couple other scenes as well where they're doing some big stuff but the the reality is is that they just they're they're the nuclear deterrent i feel zeech uses when he's like i absolutely do not care what happens to this city sure civilization's good for me but man do i need this city to just burn um and and using them that way is kind of neat uh, i also like i think their leader's name is the radiant one or or some very like very out there uh, sequin wearing, uh, you know, very, very fancy, uh, name. And, and you've got like the watcher of tomes and the, the watcher of many eyes and all these like very creepy names. And then you've got like the radiant one. Like I feel like he's about to macho man, Randy Savage his way through the next, uh, Lord Celestine that fights him. So, Oh yeah. <laughs> Slap into some chaos magic. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I think, I think they're my favorite. I like the, uh, I've I've always liked the uh, the transient form. They've been really cool too, just to kind of see see them watch and develop through different systems. Because you have Vortemis, who's a magister for them, and the Eyes of Nine that are like mercenaries that are hired out by other Zeech, Arca, you know, Arcanite groups and other cults, and seeing them uh, perform in in the different settings that they involve, like have evolved in, um, is just kind of neat to see see those models and see that that story grow and i think that's really cool um the transient forms also neat because they're like oh carrix cool like i I understand you like zeech that's neat uh you're gonna have to earn your zangorage though and and make some push that extra bit harder and you see that related flawlessly in the new rules um for those of you who are interested in that part but who would who would ever who would ever i ask (laughs) Um, i would have thought that your your arcanite faction you would have been a fan of the pyrofane cult then instead because they seem to be the mortal version of the conflagration um if the eternal conflagration is demons then i would have thought the pyrofane cult would have been up your alley to that end i'm gonna i got a i got a listener question and it's me i'm the listener question um i still don't understand what the difference is between eternal conflagration and pyrofane cult the book even says oh no 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 it's not the same thing don't be fooled i don't i can't tell what the difference is though so um, it's kind of like how Vin mentioned before with the eternal conflagration where it's not just actual fire, but it's, it looks like fire, but it's all this mutation. It's all this change. You turn into a flower pot as a bunch of whales fall past you in the sky. Sure. Sure. Uh, completely. <laughs> and the pyrophane cult does something different where it just literally takes a flamethrower and burns everything down. Gotcha. It's, it's the act of actual fire as an agent of change. Mm. So the eternal well, configuration is it's weird flame. It's a, it's a mechanism by which to change things. Whereas pyrofane cult is lit. We're talking literal fire, actual yeah. fire, fire. Uh, the pyrofane cult operates very differently too. When you see it in city of secrets, um, cause I believe they're the bad guys in that book from early age of Sigmar. Uh, but I think their 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 mo is more the we need to learn it, it if there were war casters in the group 
right? If you were to look at all of Zeech's hosts and be like, these guys are built for war, the Pyrofane cult would be the foot soldiers. Mm. They would be the the average Joe with a fireball magic missile spell memorized to infinity and beyond. And they're just going to go do that as hard as they can, as much as they can. Maximize through the moon. Sure, sure. Right on. Uh, well, what was your fave uh, faction? Uh my fave was the Cult of a Thousand Eyes. It's too many eyes. Uh, too many. 900. We'll, we'll top it off at that. That's, that's A-OK. <laughs> Every little bit helps. Yeah. Or I guess 999, since it's his favorite number. Sure. Mm. Uh, is that too much? I don't know. It's pretty, it might be a little too much. Um, but the the if the Pyrofin Cult is the Foot Soldiers, the Cult of a Thousand Eyes is your stereotypical cultists. They avoid the battlefield as much as they can. Uh, whenever they do, like, draw weapons, it's to pop up out of nowhere and stab everyone around them. Because uh, all of their plans are more insidious. They're the ones who are corrupting Dawnbringer Crusades. They're the ones who are slowly bleeding out societies. Uh, and also it says that they just love going up against the Order of Azir just to see who's more clever. It's like it's like going after it's like the mouse chasing the cat, daring them to come after them. Hmm. Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have nothing. Spy to versus spy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have nothing to add. That was a perfect explanation. I just also love them. They're super fun. <laughs> Very cool, Paul. Did you have another faction you wanted to talk about, or is that yeah? Is that it? I can talk about the Unbound Flux. Um, yeah, sure. I, I also enjoy because uh, they're literally just madness. They're like. What do we do? We drive you mad. Okay, but like, do you win things? Yeah, we win things by driving you mad. <laughs> yeah, but like, what's the thing that you really like doing? We like driving people mad. Okay, I guess that's that's what you do. <laughs> so they really thrive on turning people insane with craziness, basically. So it's it's fun. What, what else is there than driving people insane with craziness? Um, you guys, crazy. Okay, that's definitely a bug. That's a dollar. Uh, <laughs> it's getting the hang of it. You were whale singing before, too. I think that's two. <laughs> animal singing is, is double, double the price. Um, you guys took all the good sub-factions, the ones that I would wanted to talk about. Um, there's the host duplicitous, which is a bunch of demons who are real sneaky, and they like illusions and like subterfuge and I don't know, hiding, I suppose. these. I don't know. I wasn't ready to talk about any of these other ones because the, the other ones are cooler, frankly. Um, or you're, the ones you guys talked about were cooler for sure. Uh, there's the Host Arcanum, which is also a demon subfaction. They're all about spellcasting, magic, and things of that nature. Uh, transient form is cultists that like mutate and stuff. Guild of Summoners like summoning demons. I think that's all of them. I don't have anything else to add. Uh, they've got a lot of good ones, though. Uh, and and um, I think... A lot of the flavor or lore for a faction comes out the like the most like is through these sub factions. That's, that's where they can really like start dripping um, some really clear themes, right? And maybe it's a little on the nose sometimes. Maybe it's a little obvious, but I think it, it's a great way to highlight the multi facets of these armies. And every army seems to have have these facets that are worth exploring. And so um, Zinch is no different. In fact, he may have more facets than most, and they are reflected in these in these sub factions. So they're very cool. Um, cool. Any other sub faction thoughts before we keep going? We're getting there. Um, my only thought is I feel like they just needed to add one more sub faction because they did four and four, like four demons, four mortals, but we're just one away from getting that number nine. 
although true, I think they even, yes, correct, period, end of thought. Uh, additionally, I think there's nine demon subfactions and there's nine mortal subfactions. And so we're like, we're short quite a bit on both sides, actually. But yes, it would, for mm, like, yeah. for the, the balance of this book, mm-hmm. it would have been nice to have nine total. Um, but I think they were saying that, like, there's, of the nine total, like, demon subfactions, here's the four that are, like, in uh, preeminence or something like that, is, is what I think I read. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, though. At any rate. Oh, yep. Oh, there it is. But even so, they were so close in the book. Why don't just throw in another subfaction between one or the other? And then you got your, you got your square nine. Um, all right. Tell us some special characters. I feel like normally at this point in the episode, we've talked about the special characters so much that it's not worth bringing them up again. But in this one, I feel like we haven't really touched on many of them at all. Did you guys have, except for the changeling, because everybody's the changeling. Um, did you guys have any favorite special characters that you wanted to bring up? Uh, it's the changeling. We already brought him up. Because so. he's everyone. Exactly. Uh, uh, Kyra's Weaver is pretty cool in that uh, he is a lord of change that... Um, so apparently there's this like madness center of the crystal labyrinth, which is Zinch's uh, realm of chaos, basically. And it's so wild and out there that even Zinch doesn't know the full nature of this like sort of epicenter of his of his maze, essentially. And so he takes one of his lords of change, Kairos Fate Weaver, and he says, you know, what? you're basically an extension of me. What better way to learn about this thing is throw a little bit of myself into it. Whoops, it dropped you in. And he drops <laughs> Fate Weaver into the... And so he's down there for I don't know how, how long, but eventually he pops back out, this Fate, Kairos Fate Weaver, and he's got two heads. So, like, maybe that's just it. Like, it, maybe it's a portal that, that doubles your heads. No, 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 not quite. Um, it, what it does is it imbues Kairos, Kairos Fate Weaver... Um, with a particular uh, set of skills or a bit, a bit of knowledge, basically, his two heads now um, see time a little differently. One head has perfect recollection of the past and can see everything that's ever occurred um, previously with crystal clarity. And he's got another head that can clearly predict the future. Like, he, he knows exactly how everything's going to you know, go down. However, there's a, there's a con, there's a shortcoming to all this in that he cannot perceive the present. So he knows the past, he knows the future, but he can't, like, he doesn't live in the now, uh, which, I mean, goes against all sorts of self-help stuff that I think we all like here. All right, we need to be more present, uh, but no, not this guy. Um, and so it's interesting that Zinch is like, yes, this this individual who who knows every, who knows the past perfectly and knows the future future perfectly, I'm going to send him to war where he doesn't, he can't even like understand the things that are going on right in front of him. He couldn't dodge a blade if he had to. Um, and he sends them out to battle and he has all sorts of warping magic and blah, blah, blah. He's an incredible, powerful caster. But at the same time, like he has to avoid a lot of fighting because like he couldn't turn a blade because uh, he can't see the now in front of him. I mean, sure, maybe he could like preemptively not be in the place where the fight was going to be or he knows how the fight's going to turn out. And so I guess maybe he wouldn't be in places where he knows that he would die. But like, watch out, man. Like if somebody snuck in, I guess you can't sneak up on him per se, but like it, it, he is... Uh, he has a weakness if you could ever try and like turn it on him somehow. But uh, that's Cairo's fate. We've in a nutshell. Do you guys got anything to add? Um, no, just the call back to one of the stories from the age of myth where it just says like he shows up because someone somehow some way said his name out loud for the first time ever. And I'm just imagining like two scribes sitting together like looking at one of those forbidden books just like trying to ask the other person how do you pronounce this word i'm looking at <laughs> like oh i think it's kairos fate weaver and then just ah! suddenly the entire society is cursed <laughs> oh gosh i'm trying to think of it i made the 
Peter Griffin joke before, but they're like, all right, so uh, we need to come up with a, a snazzy new name for this character for this book that I'm writing. Um, I don't know. Kai Rose. Rose. He's the, uh, and then a weaver. And boom. <laughs> I just wait for it. Um, well, Kai and Ro are two Greek letters. So Kai. I think Kairos Ro. itself is a Greek word. Um, is it? Yeah, for like time or something like that. I've learned something today. I got to look it up now. No, me too. Uh, oh, no, it's a, the right critical or opportune moment, in fact. But it has, yeah, I know it has something to do with time, which. It's, it's, it's really funny because it's the ironic definition. The right, yeah. perfect, and critical moment, which he literally cannot, cannot see, yeah. see ever. Does oh, this mean crazy. he can't read his own name? I yeah. wonder if that was intentional. Um, can he write? Like, can he read? I don't know. He, he can't perceive the <laughs> present time. Like, is he functionally just an illiterate? It was like, I can read in the future. I can write in the future, but I can't write well, now. Well, speaking of reading and writing... Uh, there's another special character that I think been Ooh. named earlier, but there's the uh, blue scribe. The blue scribes. Someone tell me about the blue scribes. Ixtaprap and Praptabrix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're uh, they're cool. Um, it, it, right, they're given the impossible task of getting every single spell known by anybody ever that's ever been cast ever, and they have to write them all down. And to make things worse, one of them can't read, and the other one can't can't write i think yep. it's something to that that effect yeah one can't read one can't write and they have to write all the spells so um they they just they're they're mad and they don't trust each other that was uh newly defined in this is that neither of them trust the other one they think that the other one's lying the whole time so in this game of we have to learn everything they're like ah yeah it'd be a shame if uh i was lying to you oh it would you liar and they just they fight incessantly, but when pushed into battle to try and catch these things, they're like, well, we better make sure everybody like around us knows what they're doing, and then we're just going to hurl random spells at you. We don't really know what they are, but here, take this one. This one seems <laughs> spicy. <laughs> All right. And then they just fling them, and that's pretty cool. They are very neat. These guys also need a new bottle, frankly. I mean, not to be judgy, but... Come on, blue scribes. Uh, you can do some really cool kit bashy stuff out of the uh, burning chariot uh, set. I know, I know, Aaron. But the uh, because they come with all the books in the universe, the um, the fate skimmer or burning chariot kit uh, comes with these chanting horrors that fit perfectly on the base, and you just put books all around them, and you have this beautiful, beautiful blue scribe model. Say uh, that's in plastic. Say kit bash again. Um. <laughs> Vince, first and last time on the Mortal Realms podcast. <laughs> I'll say it again. It makes him scared. <laughs> Just run. This, this episode's over. All right. Um, very cool. And then, so it's the Blue Scribes and then the Changeling, which we talked about. Um, here's the point of the show where I ask, hey, do you guys have any other tidbits, other thoughts, other things that you want to bring up, things that jumped out at you in this book that you, you, you couldn't sleep tonight if we didn't chat about um, in this book? So, um, it's a really weird little thing, um, but the eyes of the nine are in the battle tome, but the eyes of the nine are not in the lore. Yeah, it's becoming more and more common. Yeah, so I, I was like, I, I wouldn't have minded reading a little bit about the eyes of the nine. I'm not going to go over to my bookshelf to check, but I wonder if they were in the last uh, battle tome. I think that would have been the only one because they probably postdated the battle tone before that so that might have been the only opportunity for them to show up however 
listeners, if you guys want to find out more about the Eyes of the Nine, they were they had a little short in the I want to say Dire Chasm compilation um, from Black Library, uh, and they were great. That was one of the best shorts in that compilation for sure. Um, I can't remember their names. Tcharik or something like that is the Kacharik uh, and all the other the other the cool Karaks and the horrors, and they all had personalities. And I think that's that's always good when you can give something little a personality and make it matter. Awesome, Tcharik specifically, I think is maybe the POV in that in the short story and he's he's legit he's 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 pretty cool um so listeners you're not going to find any of this battle zone but if you want to find out more about the eyes of the nine check out uh the edge compilation from black library dark chasm i think uh all right other tidbits or, or thoughts that we missed that you guys wanted to bring up cool because then we'll go into the black what what a great segue speaking of the black library uh, recommendations did you guys have any black library stories uh that fans of the disciples of zinch ought to check out that uh, you've enjoyed. Who's got any recommendations for Zinch stuff from Black Library? Uh, I liked City of Secrets, um, War Queen. Uh, there's a lot of really good ones from right out of the gate. Um, those those two just really come through as like good good descriptors and good ways to see how a cult would act and how they would function. Um, and the the War Queen story uh, shows like how a generic worshiper of chaos following Zinch would find their way. And how absolutely crazy and chaotic it can be if you can find any of those books to dig up. Or I don't know if they're on Warhammer Vault because that's got some really strange stuff in it too. Hmm. Um, yeah. They might sell the ebooks still at the, at the very least if for those who are incl- ebook inclined. Um, City Secrets would have been my recommendation. I think that's a great one. Well, I mean, it's a great story. And then it also has some good zine representation in that. So I echo that one. Um, I'll pause before I add more. Does anybody else have any other? Black yeah, um, so one is Overlords of the Iron Dragon. Oh, sure. Uh, even though it's a Caradron-focused story, we get a lot of different Zinchian perspectives as we have this essentially coven sort of fighting amongst itself, and you get a bunch of cool characters. I think there's a Fate Master, and I know there's a Cursling, and then we do get a Lord of Change, like... And it's fun because you see all of their plots going on, all this backstabbing. But then the Caradron don't really know any of this is going on in the background. <laughs> the Zinch is always eating its own tail. That's funny. Uh, Paul, did you have any Black Library recommendations? Um, yes. I am going to go with, um, from our friend uh, friend of the show, Track of Words, um, he had mentioned Hammerhall and other stories. Yeah, I remember that. Which I remember that first short story is actually Hammerhall versus Zinch. And I, I really enjoyed that story. That was yeah. the first thing that came to mind when I thought about that. So it's, it's a lot of POV of Zinch, and I thought it was really well done. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with that. And it's a Josh Reynolds. You know, can't go wrong with a Josh Reynolds story for sure. Um, I th- I'm harkening back. So, like, Zinch, I think, has been an uh, adversary in the moral realm since, like, a hallmark uh, antagonist, I could maybe say, um, for a lot of the stories dating back to like the early days of the Age of Sigmar. So he's always been around and really has um, he being his faction and, and always you know been fairly present for a lot of those stories. Um, so I'm going to harken back all the way to the very beginning where the Call of Chaos and the Call of Archaon were both a series of short stories that ended up being compiled into a much larger narrative, some might say even novel. Um, and so there are a couple of good zinch stories in there. I don't have all their names in front of me, but um, the, I think those were great introductions to zinch in the moral realms, even back all, all the way in the um, 
like I said, the early days of Age of Sigmar. So that was great. Uh, and then just recently, I know there's a zinch presence in God's Bane from Dale Lucas that we just read. Um, and there's a couple other stories, one or two that like zinch is in, but I don't want to say because it gives away like the, the mystery of, of what the, yeah, exactly. So I, it's hard to, that's the point of zinch, right? Like it's, it's a certain mysterious element. You know, you don't often know if it is zinch messing with stuff. So it's a little tricky to recommend them. So you didn't want to recommend a story that's got like a Dwarden fighting a skeleton and then say, yeah, this is a zinch story, right? What the what? Um, dear listener, throw a dart at a, a dartboard full of Black Library stories and there's a good chance zinch is going to be in that book. So um, <laughs> let's see how it plays out. So any other Black Library recommendations? Because here we are, home stretch. There's only one or a couple more things I want out of you guys. The most important being is what did you think of this here battle tome? Look, give me a little review. Let's reflect on it as a whole. Um, Paul, set the tone. I'll let you go first. What did you think of this one? I would give it six out of eight spider legs. I really enjoyed that it it feel it felt like it moved the story forward. It dealt a lot with the present moment. Um, and yeah, no, it was good. I enjoyed reading it. Okay, cool. Uh, Will second most senior i guess well what would you think of this about them um i will give it eight out of nine change cults um i i always feel weird going into these like mostly demon-centric battle tomes just because i feel like i can't get a grasp of like demon stories but i think Zinch did a really good job of showing us how he spreads his influence across the different realms really playing his hand and we kind of see how he reacts when it's a plan that's not his and he's just sort of enjoying it or trying to capitalize on it as much as we can. It's a d- interesting perspective from a guy who makes all these plans when you're seeing him react to something. Sure. Sure. It's like a dog chasing cars. Um, hey, Vin, what do you think of this battle tome? In any any metric you wanna you wanna come up with, all all yours. Well, I, I liked the uh, the change cult one. I was thinking <laughs> that same thing, but I think we'll go with. Uh, I really liked this a lot. I'm gonna go with uh, nine out of nine flaming spells. Um, yeah, no, it's very good. Uh, you go through this. The storyline is great. Uh, the art in the book is fantastic. Um, adding some of the stuff from the arcane cataclysm box to the art in the book. Um, you know, not getting into too much of the crunch of it, but it, that's good too. It, it feels nice. The crusade is cool. Um, there's just a lot of good to it, and uh, I I didn't feel there was no point in reading the book where I was like, man, I really wish they would have put this one story in, or they would have alluded to this. I know Vortemis didn't quite get his time, but I don't think that maybe the battle tome is a place where they need to add that. Um, right? I think you know it'd be cool if it was there. Um, but that's the only thing, right, is that, that little bit there. And they talk about the Eyes of the Nine in one of the pictures where they're fighting a bunch of somethings. Uh, and they're like, the Eyes of Nine get hired out by these guys, you know. And it's it just, it was cool. Uh, like the book a lot. Uh, really well done. Really advanced the plot. Uh, brought it into third edition Age of Sigmar where the old book was kind of lacking in what are they doing now, you know. So it was very good. Cool. Um, all right. I'm going to just do uh, out of nine because that's his favorite number. We don't need to change cults or uh, all, any number of things that are nine. I think I'll probably give it a seven out of nine. To get a nine or an eight, 
I think it needs to be a battle tome that's basically all new. Like it needs to, it needs to be deli- brand new delights on every single page. But that's never what this book is going to be about. I feel like I talk about this all the time from the battle tome side of things. This is a catch an army up to AOS 3.0. Now I think it does a fairly good job of doing that because some of the battle tomes that we've talked about do very little to even reference the 3.0 stage. I mean they'll do some hand wavy. Uh, nominal nominal references to it but i think a larger chunk of this book spent time talking about what is zinch in the present um and that i think to some degree is all i can ask it to do now to that end maybe i should have gave it a better rating because of that but i'm not i have my own system and you got to deal with it so um it was not a delight on every page because it wasn't just full chalk full of new stuff i've I've actually read a zinch battle tome or two before so even that was kind of uh it could be repetitive, but again, that's just because I read a few of them. Um, but I do think it offers enough newness that it was worth reopening it again um, or re- revisiting the faction again. And that, to, like I said before, is basically all you can hope for. That's all you can ask at this point, short of, you know, brand, a whole, whole new wing or a whole new range um, introducing the brand new. Um, so, yeah, because of that, I think this is a good representation or a good uh, – good entry into the mythos that is the the disciples of zinch and um can't fault it for any of the things that it did so kudos to the zinch writers um i forgot to mention it at the top and so i will bring it up right now hey gw thanks for sending us the book for us to read through and chat about we really appreciate it very kind of you um i will say thanks everyone um it's time for our forging but Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord, drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter, at The Moral Realms. And Paul, where can they find you online? At PJ Shard. And Wilk, where can they find you online? At Severalon. Excellent. And Vint, where can they find you on the internet? In the Mortal Realms Discord, or uh, I have a new Twitter account, at D-O-W-Vint. And I'm Aaron, and you can find me at Dos Asos, and you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. There is a giant spider that just crawled across everything, and I had to kill him. Uh, Paul, I'm sorry, but also... My goodness, that was terrifying to do. Try and do in sound. So if there's a gong sound in the middle of your your like comment, subscribe. Uh, it's because I had to kill some giant freaking I'm spider. Leaving it in because I feel like there's a metaphor in there with Paul. On the, <laughs> it's an act of war. Yeah. Um, so I'll fight oh, you, Paul. Start killing spiders. I've got your narrative now. There's not enough fights on our show. Like why, right? why don't we have enough fights? <laughs> They're usually off camera. Yeah, right. True, true. All right. I'll fight so. you on camera. <laughs> you throw a, a chair at somebody, it doesn't make for good radio. All right. No, you know, well, it's just. Well, I mean, the sound is probably resounding. Um, that's a paper. I, 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 I killed a see. spider with a lantern, Mal. How weird is that? Um, <laughs> I skipped to change my face.